Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And fight down a wall! Kane goes for it! What a goal from Harry Kane! Here's Lucas Moura. Oh, they did it! I cannot believe it! Hello and welcome to The Last Word on Spurs. We hope you're keeping very, very safe and well. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another midweek edition of The Last Word on Spurs where, this is what happens as I always say, when you're out of all the cups, you just get the one game a week where uh, Spurs don't threaten to derail your weekend too much. But um, hopefully look forward to giving Conte some good preparation with the lads ahead of hopefully a big week in store for Tottenham. A big game to come against Newcastle, of course, at the weekend. We'll be looking at that. We'll also be touching upon, of course, a roundup of our international players that have been on duty. We'll see how they're getting on. And, of course, also touching upon Fabio Paratic's interview. I must say, if you're listening to the show for the first time, you can find us on iTunes or on Spotify or on Audio Boom. Across a range of different audio platforms. We're, of course, on Twitter at Last Word on Spurs. We're on Facebook and Instagram too. And we're also, of course, live on YouTube. Thank you so much for joining us, as I've said, on this midweek special. Joining me, I've got three returning guests, a couple of our regulars as well with us. Uh, to my top right, I've got a man that is committed to giving us the latest news on our youth who put out a great pod earlier today. We've got the brilliant John Wenham. Over at Lee White Rose, John, been far too long. How are you? Lovely to have you back. Yeah, Rick, how you doing, mate? Great show to come back on. Obviously, loads of our youth involved last night. Uh, lots of impressive goals. Lots of people pushing on the door of the first team. So, really looking forward to getting into it tonight. And we've got a great panel. So, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, looking forward to it. Plenty of good news on the youth. So, um, talk about time. And it's been good that we're getting you on at this point, which has been great. Also joining John tonight. Please, I'm back on the show, of course. Um, you know where to find all your pre-match Build up now, of course, over at the Daily Underscore Hotspur. As Jason is already pleading, please no transfers. Jay, we'll try and keep it for you, transfer free. We've got the brilliant Jamie Brown from the Daily Hotspur joining us. Jay, how are you? Yeah, I'm all good. Thank you, Ricky. Um, as, as John said there, you know, uh, actually a really good international break for a lot of the Spurs players. Um, you know, the, lots of guys in the first team putting in some impressive performances, which, you know, hopefully they'll come back with full of confidence. 
Um, you know, I mean, even the likes of Stephen Bergwijn, really impressive. So even squad players now that hopefully can can kick on and, and really help us in this um, challenge for the top four. But um, I think the big thing is no injuries have come away. I think that's something that, you know, we can't take for granted at Spurs. Something that always seems to happen during the international break. We've got no injuries, so it's all good. A really positive international break, of course, Kane being fantastic as well. But it's, it's a weird one because... Um, I'd, I'd say that I'm, I'm missing Spurs, to be honest, at the moment. It's not something that kind of we've, we've uh, said too many, too many times over the last couple of years. But, I mean, look, we're, we're playing some really nice football. We're right in the hunt for the top four. Lots to play for in the rest of the season. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to discussing Spurs tonight. Absolutely. That's what happens. Like I say, we don't play midweek. There's actually joy about talking about Tottenham, which... Uh... Says a lot based on some of our midweek games, which uh, one man will know all about. He was with us early in the season for a game under Nuno Espirito Santo's era. We're pleased to say we have found him. We have brought him back from the wilderness because uh, it's fair to say a lot of people try to go missing during that period. We've got the brilliant producer, remixer, DJ Roscas back with us on the last one on Spurs. Roscas, how are you? Lovely to be back on. Yes, yes, yes. Thanks, Rick. Yes, and it's good to be back. Good to Good to be back returning as well. I think this is like my third show now. So, yeah, yeah, good good to be back. And, yeah, I echo what Jamie said about, you know, um, just, um, just it's good to, it's good to miss, literally, be missing football like, during the, during the, the international period. Usually this is our breather, you know, like I think I was here during the, um, during the Europa Conference League. So, you know, during uh, Nuno Espirito Santos period. So it kind of feels good to have that, that excitement again, looking forward to Sunday and looking forward to hopefully fresh in Newcastle. Yeah, fingers crossed. I, I, do it, Ross. I, I do want to promote you and push you up to the Champions League nights, but I just can't promise you we're going to have them. But we're going to, we're going to find out, of course, in these next nine games what yes, Spurs exactly, are capable yeah. of. Absolutely fine. No, listen, lovely to have you here. Obviously, Chris Callum was meant to be joining us. Unfortunately for Chris, uh, work stopped him in his tracks. We're hoping to have Chris back on the show in the very near future. Now, I think we'll start with an international roundup because. Um, it's funny, although Spurs haven't played this week, it's been a crazy amount of Spurs news, both, of course, on the youth side, which we're going to touch upon with John in greater detail. But firstly, um, to turn our attention to the Tuesday night where Harry Kane moved level with the great Sir Bobby Charlton on 49 goals for England after he's apparently secured a 2-1 friendly win against Switzerland at Wembley. And my apologies, I said Tuesday, it was Saturday evening, bearing in mind. It feels like it's been a long week. And there you go, even adds to that. So, um... Now for Kane, he has 49 goals from 68 caps. He's just five goals away from becoming England's all-time record goal scorer, with Ryan Rooney currently topping that list on 53. John, to start with you, do you think Kane is getting the recognition he deserves from country? I mean, again, there was today, uh, we saw obviously the, um, a lot of statements coming out, one from Kane about the booing towards Harry Maguire. Taking that aside from a second, we'll come on to that in a sec, but Harry Kane... Is he finally getting the praise he deserves for closing in on that record now? I feel like he's always got praise from the top-level managers. I feel like, you know, Gareth Southgate has picked him whenever he can and makes that point. I feel like he's always picked by Antonio Conte. He's always picked by Jose Mourinho. He's always picked by Mauricio Pochettino. It's people of other clubs with a loud voice on social media who have a displeasure towards somebody playing for Tottenham and doing well and kind of trying to damn that down in some way. If anything... The achievements he has for both England and for Tottenham are greater than if he went off to Manchester City and did that where he was constantly provided maybe more opportunities in a team that dominates the game more. So I think, you know, Kane is kind of a, a target, an unfair target from uh, people in the media maybe that want to get likes and retweets under their comments and posts um, and also fans of other clubs that try and single him out in an unfair way. Kane is an unbelievable forward. You've only got a look, I think it was this week, whereby uh, Mark Gay made his debut with the England squad and he very quickly came out and said, look, 
the level of players is all top table, but Kane in particular, you know, it feels like every shot he has goes in. Whenever you hear of new players joining the group with England, they straight away point this out. Luke Shaw this week also mentioned that Kane is probably the best out and out forward in world football at the moment. Um, players don't say that for nothing, you know. Players say that because Kane has led England well in the last World Cup, in the last Euros. England have got to a semi and a World Cup final for the first time in a number of years. And, you know, they're going to this tournament in Qatar next time round as one of the firm favourites to win that competition. Um, and that's based on their previous last two tournaments. And Kane is the spearhead and the leader of that squad. So um, I think, it, you know, obviously he deserves all the praise that he gets and Tottenham fans do give him that. And I think high-level managers give him that and high-level pundits give him that. But he's also an easy target for people twerking for likes off, off Arsenal and Chelsea fans and that kind of thing, which is a shame. But uh, look, we yeah. give him the credit. He knows the managers give him the credit and that's what he cares about. Absolutely, yeah. Just to ref, uh, reply to Jay, uh, Jan there on the screen who says, Roscoe looks like Ndombele. It's Ndombele and Bentico live on last one on Spurs. Just to reassure everybody, we're hoping uh, Ross can do more than the 60 minutes that Ndombele <laughs> did provide us with in a Spurs shirt. Although Jason alone in the comments will be absolutely rattled by that. We'll come back to us, I'm sure, in the next couple of minutes. Jay, come around to you to steer the show to you. Uh, on Harry Kane, you know, there'll be that argument that, you know, Spurs fans, we don't really want to see him involved in friendlies because, again, there's such a reliance upon Kane. But do we have to just accept, Jay, you said it before for him, it is simply country over club. There's that real desire for Kane to get that all-time leading goal-scoring record. So we've just got to accept, Jamie, that he's going to want to be involved for country yeah, always? There's obviously lots of incentives for him on a personal note. And I think that, the, um, you know, international or like the likes of Harry Kane, they're always going to prioritise their national team over club, whoever they play for, whoever they think, you know, whether they play for Real Madrid or, you know, all the big players, they want to be firing for their countries. You know, the same will be said of Romero going, you know, wasting, a, perhaps wasting a trip to South America. But it's a World Cup year. He wants to be in that squad. He wants to be made sure he's ready for those matches. And it's the same with Harry Kane. He's the captain. And then, of course, you know, for Gareth Southgate as well, you know, he wants to win these matches. He needs to impress. So he's going to have to use his best players. And Harry Kane is... Is is one of his best players? Absolutely. Um, I think Antoine. I think it was a really interesting um, moment. Of course, the clip that's going around on social media at the moment of Antoine Griezmann scoring in training and, and pretending he's Harry Kane. I think that just says everything about how he's kind of seen by his, you know, his fellow professionals. He's, you know, he is one of the very best in the world. His goal scoring record for England just speaks for itself. I mean, a lot of people will kind of say, "Oh, look, really, you know, Harry Kane's kind of stat padding against the likes of San Marino getting all these goals, but." Harry Kane has nearly scored the same amount of goals as Wayne Rooney in nearly half the games. It's his goal scoring record is is just unbelievable. You know he's got uh, forty nine goals in in sixty nine appearances for England, which is just unbelievable. You know Rooney had one hundred and twenty appearances, so you know he's, he is probably the, you know he is the best goal scorer England's ever had since since Jimmy Greaves. Um, and yeah, I mean he's, he's for, for me he's definitely the best number nine in the world right now. And um, Yes, it's just fantastic that he's uh, a player for Tottenham Hotspur. Ross, coming around to you, I mean, he played just under half an hour at the end of England's 3-0 home win against Ivory Coast, um, for whom we got, you know, probably mentioned as well, we saw Sergioria doing Sergioria things. But before we discuss that moment, just on Kane for you, Ross, do you have a problem with him appearing in these games or do you just accept it that the nature of Kane, the determination and hunger to get that record, he's going to want to appear every time possible for England, right? Yeah, I, I guess, you know, that's, you know he, he really enjoys playing for England, so he's always going to try and get as much game time as he can. I'm just glad that he only got half an hour in the last game and then he can rest, get back with the rest of the squad and then, um, you know, just start, um, start learning, uh, well, getting involved for Newcastle. But that's that's all I care about. I don't, like, the, the game, the friendlies, they're not really necessary, but I know he wants to, he's going to want to go with the team and, and get involved. So, 
no, that's that's Kane. Absolutely is. Do you, do you have a view, Ross, sticking with you? Because I did kind of bring it up towards you, yeah. Serge Aurier. Is, is that, again, a reminder of why we let him go? Do you know what? When I saw it, because I got football with one of the football apps on my phone and, and the uh, the sort of notification come up. And I just, I wasn't even shocked that it was Serge getting sent off. I saw sent off, knew it was Serge. It, it literally, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's, he does Serge things. That's all he does. That's all he does. So funny, though. It's funny because, I mean, John, coming over to you, you know, I've seen some comments this season saying that if Serge was still at the club, he'd probably still be our best right back. Do you be amused when you see comments like that, John? Yes and no, if I'm being totally honest with you, because Serge Aurier did play for us during a period when we were in the Champions League. I remember him having some good games against the likes of Dortmund, he did okay uh, in, in some other, you know, big European games. Um, but, you know, so I was happy when the club made the decision to move him on. I did get frustrated with the needless penalties being given away. I did get frustrated with being turned inside out on multiple occasions. Um, but obviously, look, our signings since haven't done anything to better him. Uh, Emerson Royal has come in and he's probably been the one signing that I've really questioned uh, for a decent sum of money. Um, hasn't yeah. really settled in yet. And we haven't seen him perform like the level of some of our other signings. Um, and obviously, Matt Doherty, although he's had a bit of renaissance at the moment, is generally quite limited, in my opinion. And we saw that when he went to Old Trafford. Suddenly, it wasn't an Everton or Leeds. It was up against players of the top level, like you'd expect if we do get in the Champions League next year. And he just kind of found out. Um, the one I look back on more than Serge Aurier even is Carl Walker-Peters. And I do wonder if we developed him and, and, and instead loaned him out again or loaned him out earlier and he wasn't part of Pochettino's train but don't play policy. Um, we might have seen a better Carl Walker-Peters for Tottenham and a Carl Walker-Peters that was ready to express himself more on the pitch. Interesting. I can see Jamie shaking his head at Jason's opinion there. Jason says on the screen, I only think Lewandowski is a better number nine than Kane, but Kane a better all-round player. Yeah, see, the thing with this comment, I, I do get it. I, I think Lewandowski is is unbelievable player. But the thing is, I think Harry Kane, you put him in a better team, I think he'd, you know, he'd be scoring more goals than Lewandowski would, I think, as well. He's in the Bundesliga. I mean, look, no disrespect to the Bundesliga, but the Premier League is, is far superior. It's far harder to score goals in the Premier League. And, you know, Kane's almost matching Lewandowski's level. I think Lewandowski is unbelievable. But if you put Harry Kane in that Bayern Munich side or you put him in the Bundesliga, I think he'd be outscoring them. So, um, for me, I think Harry Kane, I think he does it yeah, exactly that. I think he does it in the best yeah. league in the world. And um, I, I think he's playing in a, a, a relatively poor team or certainly in comparison to the Bayern Munich team. So, um, I think if you if you were to put Harry Kane in one of those teams, he'd, he'd be, I mean, it would be quite scary, to be honest. Mm. Talk about scary, talk about a player that's on really good form. Um, uh, Jay, to stick with you, is Steven Bergvine, who uh, for him, he made it four goals in his last three appearances for Holland as he scored against Germany. Uh, Leverens came from obviously a goal down to draw one all in that friendly in Amsterdam. Uh, he arrived onto the ball in the box and blasted it into the corner just mm. 10 minutes after coming on as a 58 minute sub. I mean, Jamie, have you been really impressed with Bergwijn on the international duty? He's playing really well for Holland, isn't he? I mean, he's to be fair to him, I've always kind of seen when he's come off the bench. I think he's actually looked quite, you know, some of the flashes that he's, he's come out with have been have been really quite promising. He, he seems to come off the bench, injects a lot of energy into the team. You know, maybe coming on for a son or a Kulusevski, he does seem to be a good option off the bench. I think the the interesting thing is with Steven Bergwijn, although maybe he's not a player that you'd necessarily want to discard in the summer. He's going to be a guy that's going to command you, you know, it's going to get you big money. And I think, and that's going to be the, the difficult situation that Spurs are going to have to face. Do they lose a potentially good squad option, but do they get good money for him and then go and reinvest it in an area in the team that, that maybe benefit us more? Like, an, uh, you know, you've got £40 million extra or £35 million, however much you get for Stephen Bergwijn to go and spend on the new right wing back. So it's going to be interesting to kind of see how they, they handle that situation with Bergwijn. I think he's a brilliant squad player. 
I'm not quite sure he he's good enough to get into the the starting eleven at the moment. I think that front three is is, is surely settled at the moment. But I, I'd like to see him utilised in in the running. I think that he's a guy who, who can definitely offer us something. I'd like to see him maybe um, you know maybe Conte being a bit braver and bringing up one of the front three when they're not performing. But uh, I, I think Bergwijn's probably earned his his opportunity to get more minutes off the bench. But I, I still don't think he's, you know, I, I just think that front three is too good, basically. I just think it's testament to how good that front three is now. I don't think that Bergwijn, <laughs> it's difficult to say, I mean, I don't think he's a, a bad player or I, I think he's a very good player, but I just don't think he, he gets ahead of uh, any of those front three at the moment. It's really interesting, Ross, coming over to you because, um, again, listen, he was he was also on target for the Netherlands on Saturday, indeed striking twice. He got the first and last goals on the 60th, 16th and 71st minute as the Dutch beat Denmark 4-2 in Amsterdam. Uh, but after the game, on I think subsequently on the Tuesday, Wednesday, he was quizzed about um, you know being able to potentially earn more minutes and what the future holds from at Spurs. He said, I wouldn't know. We'll see. Everyone wants to play. I want to keep my head up and work hard in training, and we'll see what happens in the summer. Have you been surprised, Ross, based on the fact that, you know, since Spurs made a real ploy to try and keep him in January, you know, what we understand, Conte wanted him to stay, and there's been such a lack of game time. Is that just down to Conte now finding his preferred team, and we're only now playing once a week? Yeah, you can tell. I mean, with Conte's squads, the last, what, three to four games, we've, we've had a consistent, like, lineup. You can predict the lineup literally, you know, on the day, and, and, and know you pretty much get it right, and... Um, it's been like that, and it's it's been really good having Benzema, um, Kulusevski in the in the team as well. They've been really really strong. So it's a lot of competition, and and it's something that we've lacked in um, with our with our squad anyway. Competition. I felt like you know over the last season, over the last couple of seasons, even like the end, the run up to the end of like um, uh, Poch's era, it's like you felt. I felt they. I felt people. They, the players felt they was, you know, they were they were they were uh, they, you know they were guaranteed their spots. There was no one really giving them a run in for their spots, you see. So, and I feel like, you know, we spoke about it many times about, you know, Kane having a backup or someone, you know, that, that could possibly give him a run for his money as well. And, and I feel like you need that within the squad. You need that within the squad. So if, you know, if he wants, be- if he wants in the squad, then he's got, he's got to play better as well. He's, he's doing really well for Netherlands and he's got to do that for us as well. Are you surprised, John, for you, the, the lack of game time since that January window's been shut? Because he seemed to play that Spurs were really intent on keeping. He seemed to play that Conte liked. I think he said on more than one occasion that he would like to give him the opportunity to play more. But it's been down to injury previous to the window shutting the reason why he wasn't getting the game time. What do you reckon the future holds for him, John? It's a really interesting one because the, the situation actually really reminds me of when we had Nido. Now, if you remember, there was a game we played Arsenal away in a Carabao Cup second leg semi-final. Yeah. Mido was set to join Man City that night. Uh, it was the end of the window. And he actually scored the goal that forced came on the bench. Time. Yeah, he came on the bench. And then scored, suddenly, yeah. it was our first goal at the Emirates, actually, Mido got. And suddenly, he wasn't going. That was it. He scored this goal. Although we actually lost the tie, he scored this goal and he was going to kind of integrate him again. And I feel like what happened with Bergwijn with those goals at Leicester was the exact same thing. It was toppled with the fact that he got those goals at Leicester and Kulovetsky didn't sign until the last day of the window. We didn't know how he would thus settle thereafter. We couldn't take the risk of moving him on. But... If you read the reports and, and very, you know, highly respected uh, newspaper columnist from Holland made the point clear that the Ajax really wanted Bergwijn. There was only a couple of million in it. And I think that compromise would have been met if we obviously hadn't have had that moment at Leicester. And, um, you know, we didn't know how well Kulovetsky was going to settle. So I certainly yeah. think knowing that Tottenham have got to pay the money for Kulovetsky this summer, if they choose to do so, which I think is 30 million euros, or it's 35 million if they let the loan run until 2023, 
I think they will look to sell Bergwijn in basically just to buy Kulovetsky. I think Ajax is going to lose a whole host of players this summer. I put a tweet out the other day, I think seven or eight players. You know, it's a daily basis you see this player linked to go in and this player's contract up. I think Ajax is going to have some serious money. They're a decent Champions League run as well. And I think for Bergwijn himself, you know, he's, he's scoring regularly for the Netherlands. He needs to be the confidence player, I think, certainly Bergwijn. And, and, and when he's on confidence and he's on form, he's a very, very good player. No mistakes about that. But I feel like he needs to be the main man somewhere. He can't be a bit part player. He can't be, you know, you're behind Kane, you're behind Sun. I think he needs to come out of his own shell and be a mate, a son or a Kane for somebody else. And I think I actually certainly could do that back in the Netherlands. I personally think he's a little bit too good, actually, for, for, for a, you know, not a top five league. I wouldn't call the only mm, league. Agreed. League. I think, yeah. I think he's too good for that. But, you know, I look at Prem teams. Couldn't a, a Southampton, couldn't a Newcastle, couldn't one of these side of clubs come in and make Bergwijn their main man? I can't really see why not. I think he's proven himself with, with the Netherlands. He's scoring in big games against the likes of Germany. He scored the goal that sent Holland to, to the World Cup. Mm. Um, I, I think he's a big player, Bergwijn, and he just he just unlucky at Tottenham that obviously he's behind world class, top world class elite players like Hayden Sun. Yeah, it's weird. In one, it's one of the most strongest areas we've got in our squad. Jay, come over to you. I know you wanted to come in there. Go for it. Yeah, I mean, the one thing with Bergwijn as well, with think kind of the noise that's coming out of him at the moment, he does it does feel as though maybe he will push for that move. Um, of course, we saw that leaked Snapchat of him kind of saying that he feels like he's not being used properly. Yeah. Um, I think he did an interview after the match saying, you know, he's he, you know we'll wait and see in the summer what will happen yeah. and kind of you know wants to be playing more. So yeah. I think all the noise is coming out of him. Sounds like he he's kind of anticipating to leave. Um, but as I said, it's just going to be. I think it's an interesting one because. Although he looks like he's become a really useful player for Spurs, I actually think that you know the way Spurs ultimately will run. We know what you know. We have to kind of sell players to to bring new ones in. Unfortunately, that's the way it is at Spurs. It's not ideal. We want to have a strong squad. We want to have you know Bergwijn as being a backup option. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, if you can get forty million pounds for him, you're not going to sell other other players in that squad who just aren't worth anything. If you can get forty million pounds and then go and reinvest that in a in a top crucial position for the starting eleven, then then that's probably a good thing for Spurs. And I think that kind of this form is is going to be really promising if we want to mm. go and build this squad. Yeah, I mean, you do feel that it's probably in those wide areas, like some Mora and Bergwijn are going to be two opportunities where Spurs can maybe race and catch. Ricky, Ricky, we've also got 30 billion Brian Hill to come back next summer. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah. And to be assessed and looked at, you know. Yeah. Um, so we've, we've got a whole, as you said, birth of options there. I agree with you. I mean, it'd be interesting, I say, when, when the summer does come, because obviously Mora, for example, Mora's found himself that's been pushed out the side, obviously, since Kulisevsky's been here. I mean, Ross, do you feel in a way, because, like John says there, Hills to come back as well, Spurs may have some opportunities there in the summer to try and raise some cash in order to inject it into other areas of the squad. We know that really wing-back Spurs need to try and probably find the right balance for there. I mean, left-sided centre-back, again, that's always been an area they're going to look at. You'd imagine Galini's loan, is going to come to an end. So again, second goalkeeper there, and maybe again an, an opportunity to have an alternative to Kane. Although we'll come on to Scarlett's forms that's been really promising. Do you feel overall, Ross, we got an opportunity there in the yeah. summer? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think you know if if we're if we're going to shape the team around what we've got already um, set up, and we want to strengthen those areas that you mentioned, we're going we're going to, we're going to need to sell some players, some you know some quality players that aren't really fitting in the team. You know, um, you know, same same for you know. Um, who else we got? We've got Bergwijn. Um, we've also got Mora as well. Um, that possibly that possibly could you know make a move as well because you know how old is he now? You know he should be sort of like pushing on pushing on to another maybe another team. I think he's not going to get regular game time now. Mm. You know, uh, and both both of those teams. I think someone mentioned it in the uh, comments as well about Bergwijn. He's he's played like seventy six games and only scored like six or seven goals. It's like 
not really good enough for you know for what we need. Yeah, yeah. I, I will. What I will say just to caveat a little bit is obviously a lot of those games come under Mourinho, where effectively Bergvine was yeah, right, a yeah. bit of an inverted yeah. wing back. And, and again, I wonder just now with Bergvine, you're seeing that confidence in him. Um, maybe he's like I say playing for that move. Uh, but I mean, two players that are playing there are academy. John, uh, obviously we heard. You on your pod earlier today, and if anyone hasn't listened to that, please go and check it out. Of course, at Lily White underscore Rose. Um, the youth at the moment, John, really are, are shining for Tottenham. It's a real promise um, ahead of us because, um, again, we saw 21 of Spurs' players, you know, faced with uh, a lot of countries' um, games to play. And in the early hours of the morning, we saw a development squad player, you're going to name a lot more than me, uh, Callum Cisse, grabbing the headlines with two goals on his debut for Sierra Leone side as they saw off Congo Brazzaville 2 1 in Turkey. John, tell us a little bit about this player. Um, one that we should keep an eye on right now, or is it more one for the future? Yeah, it's an interesting one with Callum. Obviously, before this summer, he was really a kind of backup. Uh, right back in the academy. He wasn't even the starting right back for the under 18s in his year coming through. Then this summer, Nuno came in, and Nuno, you can take a light to him in pre season. If you remember, he started the pre season game against Leighton Orient. Uh, he was then involved in the second game up against uh, Colchester, I believe. Um, Nuno took a light to him and his coaching staff and kind of involved him with the first team. He also had a growth spurt over the summer, so he's quite a big unit of a guy now. And um, he's developed really nicely this year. So Wayne Burnett's under 23s played on a right back, played at left back in the game. I've also seen him play in a midfield role. Um, he's certainly one that's gone under the radar in academy football um, and, and not one of these names you hear shouted about since they're 16 or 15 before they even playing in the under 18. He's certainly one that's gone under the radar and it, you know, him to get that call up was really nice. Um, he got it through his, his dad, uh, got, you know, was eligible for him to get the call up. So he's gone off to Sierra Leone um, and I'm in part of their squad and obviously got those two goals in that tournament in Turkey. And, you know, that's a huge credit to him. Hopefully he can build on that and bring that confidence back to Hotspur away. I still think it'll be sensible for him next year to go on a first loan. He's never been on loan before. So maybe a League One club to start with um, to establish himself. Because, look, if players aren't going to make it to Tottenham, let's get back to what we were doing five or ten years ago when we were getting eight million for Stephen Corker, 13 million for Andros Townsend, Absolutely. you know, uh, yeah. 18 million for Neville Bentaleb. We were, we were yeah. good. What Chelsea, what everyone praises Chelsea are doing now. We were yeah. doing that 10, 15 years yeah. ago very, very Absolutely. well. Yeah. Five million for Tom Carroll, eight million for Jake Lismore. You know, we had a great track record of doing this. We need to get back to that. And the way you get back to that is by organising successful loans. Players go out, players develop, players build their reputation, their network. And that is how you do you know, that system so well. So we need to get back to that. And uh, hopefully Callum can be one of those that goes out in the summer. Just sticking with you, John, because you just mentioned it there about loans. And one that doesn't seem to have worked out um, is at the moment is Niall John over at Charlton. I mean, uh, we've seen reports today from Footy Insider that um, Spurs are incredibly frustrated. And I think they, they, they use the term furious that he hasn't uh, played, well, substantially any games that he was expected to be playing for Charlton. And do you think Spurs will look to recall him or do you think they'll look to see how that plays out for the rest of the season? No, I think I think because he's based in London anyway, they'll they'll leave that as it is. I imagine he's still staying wherever he stayed before. Um, I, I think certainly they are they are frustrated with that situation. I've heard that as well. Um, you know, he went over there. Chris Powell took him down there. If you remember, Chris Powell's got very good links with Charlton. Works at our academy now. Uh, involved in the England setup. Chris Powell as well. So you know, Niall was was in England squads as well. Um, that loan has been really disappointing. I understand Charlton have one too many players on loan. Uh, it's an issue with the match day squad. Rick, if you remember, Jack Clark had the same issue when we loaned him back to Leeds whereby they just had too many loan players and you can only name a set number in the squad. And he's often been found as the odd man out. And that's frustrating because fans will remember that pre-season, again, he was heavily involved. Um, he, he got some uh, squad time, certainly in the Europa Conference League early on on the bench. 
Um, so that's, that's disappointing how this has panned out for Nile. But to be fair, it's one of only a few loans that I've been disappointed with this year. I think quite a lot of our other loans have been very successful. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to come back around here shortly, John, because, um, listen, there's still plenty to get our teeth into in terms of loans. Just a shout out to Phoebe there on the screen. Loving the show, guys. Missing Spurs massively in our house. Let's hope you feel the same on Sunday, Phoebe. Uh, she said, my dad Bradley is the under-15s academy coach at Spurs. Got him listening. Thank you, Phoebe, for that. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for that support. Jay, coming over to you. Um, listen, two of the players from our uh, fellow academy graduates that took the headlines, of course, respectively. Dane Scarlett, Troy Parrott. I mean, Dane Scarlett, firstly, uh, he scored twice in the first half as England under-19s won an important European under-19 championship qualifier, 2 nil against Portugal in Chesterfield. Um, Jamie, listen, Dane Scott has been talked up a lot by Antonio Conte in the last few weeks. Do you think there's a chance we may see him in these closing nine games? Or do you just think because of the nature of how big those games are for Spurs, he's more of a realistic player to see potentially next season, pre-season? Yeah, I, I don't think we'll see him in the in the final couple of matches. Obviously, clearly not ready just yet. But uh, I, I'm totally with John, to be honest. I, I, I would say I want to see us going back to that, you know, loaning players out and them having successful loans because... I think if we saw the most, what arguably our most successful, one of our most successful kind of um, youth players over recent years, Oliver Skip, you know, having a fantastic loan and getting that experience in the championship. Um, and, and I think that that, you know, that experience of playing senior football is, is just kind of invaluable. I mean, it is obviously the debate. Do you keep them around the first team? They get all the experiences of being used to Hotspur way, training with the first team, kind of getting used to being around the first team. Obviously, that's a great experience. Or, or do you send them out to really go and experience um, senior football? And then, of course, you know, if you move away to a different place, like Oliver Skip did with Norwich, you know, you're living by yourself, then you, you very quickly grow up. And so it's, 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 a, it's an interesting one kind of, you know, do you keep them around the first team or do you loan them out? But I think Spurs have had a lot more success when they've loaned players out. I mean, a big one for me, as I think John mentioned earlier, was, was Carl Walker-Peters. I just think we, we kept him around the first team for too long. Um, obviously got great experience of being with the first team, but you just saw, he, you know, every time he came in, he never really seemed ready for first team football. And you feel as though maybe if he'd have gone down the league when he was a lot, you know, when he was maybe 19 or, or younger and had, had that experience, then maybe to come back and he'd be more ready for, for senior football. But I think that that's something that really held him back. So I, I would like to see these, you know, the likes of uh, Alfie Devine or... Um, or um, Scarlett going out on loan. That, that's for me. I'd like to see us start and get back to doing that again. Mm. Coming on to you, Ross. I mean, Dane Scarlett, I think uh, in your appearance for the Europa Conference League, Dane may have actually got on and played a little bit. I think the only thing with Dane is, again, there was probably intense pressure on him because, as we know, Nuno started, uh, apart from the first three games, as poorly as it did, it felt like those Europa Conference League games it almost became a, a chance to then try and get the form back on track and then start embedding yeah. quite quickly a lot of the senior players in there. So then, obviously, Dane dropped out of the uh, Europa Conference League lineups. Do, do you hold high hopes for him, Ross, that he will be involved pre-season, start of next season? I, I reckon so. I mean, look, he's, Mourinho, Mourinho liked him. Um, Nuno Espirito Santos liked him as well. And also Conte likes him as well. And he's, he's been he's been on the bench quite a lot now. So I can't, I can't see why not. I feel like, you know, if we had the cup games early on, I reckon... You know, if he was more stable, maybe you'd have got involved then as well. But I, I, he wants him to hang around Conte, so I, I guess I guess you know it, it makes sense for him to be in, you know, involved in the preseason. And let's see let's see how he gets on because he, he's doing really well for the under 19s 
He is, absolutely he is. Uh, what we will do, we will go for our first break of the show for our listeners that are on audio. Uh, take you into this break, you're going to hear from a very, very happy Brandon Austin who's just signed a new deal and we'll be talking about him in this next segment of the show. Brandon Austin, congratulations on signing your new contract with the club. Thank you. How do you feel? Yeah, no, it's really good. Obviously delighted to, to sign here and stay here for a couple more years been here since I've been eight years old so so to commit here again for, for the next two years is, um, is is really big for me and my family obviously the hard work that they've put in I wouldn't be here without them yeah to be one of the ones that has come through right from the beginning you've seen seen a lot of changes but also it's just good to you feel really a part of the club and like that's like I say I've, I feel real, I have a real connection with the club and it's, it's been there to support me throughout my career and I just want to sort of give back to them as much as I can. We've seen you you know as the number three this year and uh, obviously getting into squads on a regular basis. What's that experience been like and how different is it from your time in the academy? Um, yeah, no, that experience has been great. To spend all, all the time now with the team is, is, is great because you just see you get to make relationships and friends with the, with the players and teammates that you used to train with before, but now to do it on an everyday basis, is um, you sort of get to develop that even more. And then, like I say, just to learn from, from spending time with Hugo and, and with Pierre all the time is, is great. You know, pick up so much information from them too two world-class players that have played at the highest level. Hugo's amazing. Like I say, he's, um, he's always there to help me. Any questions that I have, we'll, we'll talk about the game, talk about training. Um, he's always there to give advice, speak about his experiences that he's had and try to transfer that to me. Um, so yeah, Hugo's been, I'd say, really important in that for me. And it's someone to learn from, someone that's won the World Cup and, and all the achievements that he's had is, is amazing and something that I, I try not to take for granted. To work with Marco now since he's, since he's come in with 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 the boss has been has been great. Uh, another another style, another way of looking at things, and like his attention to detail and things has really taken it to another level and, and helped me in my game. Perry's been with me since I've since I've been here at the club, um, a legend of the club as well. Yeah, I'd say he's been a massive factor on my journey, just as much as all these other coaches that I've I've been um, lucky enough to work with. Absolutely, and even the boss himself. Obviously, we all know what Antonio brings to the club. It must be. I mean, what's it like to to work in his squad? Yeah, again, the boss has been, like I say, taking it to another level. Um, someone proven like he is as a winner. Um, really trying to transfer that to the club and 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 to us as players. And I think that attention to detail and the demands that he sets on us really will set us up. And and I see good things happening with the squad that we have. For me, it's just to keep working hard, impress as much as I can, take any opportunities when given, and sort of just, um, yeah, like just give to the squad and be ready when called upon. Sticking with some of the players that have really shone during this international break, takes me very nicely, John, back round to you, um, to Troy Parrott. But I thought it's only right, John, i quickly ask your opinion on Dane Scarlett because of, I say, you focusing on the youth. Um, John, do you have a view on just how much Dane is progressing? I think he's progressing really, really nicely. Uh, I mean, this people, I've seen a few comments and I've seen one I'm looking at now that says he's been pony so far. I think that's only fair, you know, I, I want to address that if I may. He was playing as a 17-year-old, you know, in these Europa Conference League games. You know, it's a big ask to come into a mixed match team. We've seen, you know, our players, you know, rotation players, they're like 25, 26-year-olds struggle with those teams. And now you're expecting a 17-year-old to feed off scraps away in Europe. It's not an easy task. But I still think that's a good experience for him. I still think going as part of a squad, travelling, I think that all bodes into his experience. I think ideally for me next year, Dane, I'd like him to go out on loan. I want him to go to League One for a full season. I'd like him to go literally 1st of uh, uh, July when the, when the window opens so he's got a full pre-season to embed himself 
learn the manager's tactics, and then he takes everything on him as a leading man for a team. I think he's ready for that. I've seen him in under 23s games, you know, very goals past the likes of Peter Cech um, and, and big experienced players. I've seen him do very well at that level. I've got no fear that he just needs the right surroundings and he will thrive. He's only going to get better the more opportunities he gets. Do you, John, do you, would you say with the, like when he comes into the Europa League squad and maybe plays the one-off match and, you know, we obviously had that really poor game against Vitesse, um, mm, do, do you think yeah. that's maybe a slightly damaging experience when he's coming in and he's not doing so well? Do you th- or do you think that that is just any experience not, is, is good? Not for me not for me personally and not from what I've heard from the player or I've actually had the pleasure of talking to his dad a few times at Hotspur Way, actually. Um, and they didn't get that impression whatsoever. The impression from them was what an opportunity to go away to sit next to, you know, if Harry Kane's go amongst the subs, but to talk to him at half-time in the game, to talk through movements, positioning, finishing opportunities, you know, that's all experience. I just think that, you know, that's invaluable if you ask me. It's a bit like the loans. People always tell Harry Kane had some bad loans, but, you know, Harry Kane had lots of loans. He had some mm. at Norwich and Leicester that weren't successful, but he went yeah. to Millwall and they had eight goals as they survived. You know, that toughens you up, trust me. That shapes there, you into the player you are, right? shapes you into the player you are. Yeah, absolutely. And even Ryan Mason had a loan at Lorient in France where he didn't actually kick a ball for him. He said mm. that was a good experience in terms of seeing something a bit different, learning different styles. So loans are different from players and, and, and they learn different skills and things from them. But I certainly think Dane's time playing in Vitesse and playing in the, it was an intimidating atmosphere over there, will stand him in good stead. And the fact that when he goes and plays with England at under 19, despite only turning 18 last week, he leads the line for them. He scores goals. So it shows you that amongst players his own peer group, he's dominating. He absolutely is. In the under-23s, he's doing very well. So it's just a matter of time with him. And I think people expect so much from him so soon, despite his tender age. You've just got to give him time to, to blossom. That's why I said the League One loan next year. Get 45 games under your belt. Year after, get another 45 games in the Championship. You're then talking about a kid that's got 100 games under his belt at the age of 19, 20. Ready to come into the first team at that point. Yeah. Another thing I hear a lot as well is obviously everyone kind of brings it back to Wayne Rooney and him, uh, you know, banging at 18 or doing so well at such a young age. But I think a good example of it, I think Rooney, you know, his his, his kind of career was, was shortened because he was starting at such a young age as well. And I think Rashford's having a similar thing at the moment where he started, you know, I think it was 18, he was kind of in the first team and then he started becoming really reliant on him at, you know, at 19. So I, th- I think a lot of people want these players you know, just because they've seen Rashford doing well at 19 or 18, seen Rooney doing at 18. But obviously you look at their careers, you know, some of them, they've kind of been shortened because they started so young and so much pressure so early. So I think a lot of people obviously saying, you know, I, you know, um, that uh, Scarlett's not doing so well now. I think that, you know, I'd rather he came through at maybe the age of 20 or 21 when, you know, he's kind of at an age where he can handle that pressure now. And, you know, he's, he's not going to have so much overload in his body at such a young age because... As I said, I think with, with a player like Rashford, at such a young age, he had so mm. much to put on him. Yeah. Um, and I kind of see it, that's why we're, we're seeing the, the struggles that he's having now, because Manchester United kept putting him in the team at a young age and, and just kind of his body, I think, has, has taken a bit of a hit from, from being relied, re- reliant upon at, at such a young age. Yeah. Uh, Paddy, listen, uh, long-term listener, Always love his graphics that he does after the game with crackers on countdown. Uh, Paddy asks, this is to you. We'll go back to John on this and we'll go to Ross next. Um, he asks, question for John. Out of Parrot and Scarlet, I'll change this slightly. Who do you think, John, out of those two have more of a longer-term future at the club? I was going to put you on the spot because we're going to come on to Parrot in a second. Who do you reckon yeah, out of those two? I could actually throw two more in as well. And Keon Tete, who's doing really well this year. And Jamie Donnelly, the young England number 17 striker. But... Out of just those two, I think we've got a flock of really good strikers. I think at least two will come through from those four. But out of those two, I'm going to go with 
uh, Dane Scarlett at the moment. I think away from football, he's got mm. a really good setup. His dad really takes care of him, makes sure he's at training all the time. He's got a very, very good setup behind him, Dane Scarlett. I'm a little bit worried with Troy Parrott about some of the friends he keeps away from football. And I think that might be his downfall rather than his ability on the pitch. Okay, interesting. John, thank you so much for that. Ross, let's come around to you. Uh, listen, another player, as we kind of touched upon there, that's done really well on this international um, well duty has been Troy Parrott. I mean, Troy netted a stunning 97-minute goal, uh, a winner from outside the box to give the Republic of Ireland a crucial home 1-0 victory. Well, I say crucial, it was a friendly, but again, good for confidence, a 1-0 win. Look, it meant the world to him. Uh, Ross, what did you make of that? Because he really did take the game with the scruff of the neck there. And it was a wonderful strike from Troy Parrott, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's got a lot to prove. You know, if he, you know, I, I met, I've heard somewhere where he, there was an interview where he'd done and he said that he wants he wants to fight for, you know, for his, his space in, at Spurs. So, you know, for him, he's got a lot to prove. He's got, you know, and the only way he can do that by getting, you know, by getting, um, staying in the international squad and then playing where he's playing as well and, and, and continuing to do that, you know, but, um, it's going to be hard for him. It's going to be hard. It's been hard for him so far. And, you know, I guess it can only get better for him if he continues and just keeps that consistency going. Absolutely. I, I totally agree on that. Jamie, to come around to you, um, Troy Parrott, I think, like I say, I think we were all quite optimistic about what the future was holding for him. Of course, he came in the team on a, in a brief period under Jose. I think Jose said to us, then that's why you can see why Troy isn't ready. And I think we all thought, oh, you know, have we almost burnt the kids' confidence before we even started here, but he's gone back on loan. I know it hasn't been the most productive loan so far up at MK Dons. I mean, John's probably more qualified to speak about it than I am, but uh, I mean, great goal for him, great confidence for his country, right, that, that finish? Yeah, I mean, look, he's, he's obviously, as I said, he's getting that experience of playing first-team football. Um, I think here he's got, I think he's got five five goals, um, I think, and five assists as well in, in 34 games. So, mm. I think it's OK. I mean, look, he had so much pressure put on him. I think that, yeah, that was, yeah. I think yeah. it was very unfair how much pressure he had on him. I think, you know, we'd all seen Harry Kane just come through. Yeah. Amazing, you know, and then that expectation is, is incredibly high. So, I do definitely feel sorry for Troy Parrott and... and you know, again, he's 18 years old, and he, or he was 18 years old, and he had all this praise coming on him of, you know, he's going to be the next Harry Kane. And I think that that's just very difficult for him to deal with it. Um, look, players develop at different rates. They, you know, they, they'll have that period where they're amazing young talent. Um, and then maybe they'll kind of, you know, drift off a little bit, but then they couldn't, you know, all of a sudden explode again. I think I remember similar, I think it was similar with Jack Grealish. I think he burst onto the scene as this unbelievable young talent and then he kind of faded away a little bit and now all of a sudden you know he had that you know then he kind of really exploded so look players just develop at different rates they go through kind of different stages of you know maybe they they, they drift away a bit but then they can equally come back so um it'll be interesting to see how how uh how he gets on but as I said I, I really felt very sorry for him in terms of uh all the pressure that got put on him at such a young age but yeah I mean he, he seems to be doing okay MK as I said John's probably more qualified definitely He's definitely more qualified to speak on it than I am, but uh, he seems to be doing okay there. So, yeah, I think it was really great to see him score that goal last night as well. So that was fantastic. Yeah, just before we finally move on from Parrot, John, coming back round to you, um, what have you made that loan spell for him up at MK Dons? Has it been anything that he flourished and wanted, or has it been tricky? It's out, it feels like it's been tricky just from a distance. It obviously, it hasn't gone, hasn't been as many goals, but obviously he would have liked and probably what we would have liked as a club, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's fair to say. I think the goals haven't been... And then he's the first one to admit that. He comes out and says, you know, oh, I wish I was scoring more and I wish I was involved in more goals for opportunities. But a point to mention is, the MK, when he did finally score a couple of weeks ago and he got two, the response from the MK Don fans underneath their official club's tweet was, 
they were also happy for him. They said there you know there wasn't anyone they'd rather scored than him. He worked his ass off basically. He's a runner. He don't stop giving it his all for the ninety minutes. He battles. He, he wins the boys competitive. And he's got you know a lot of kind of pre-assists this season. I think it's fair to say where he's laid on the player who's then assisted for the goal. So they really like him down at MK. I wouldn't be adverse to him doing another year there next year. Um, now that he's started getting his shooting boots together towards the back end of the season and then building on that confidence and continuity of playing at the same club again, I really wouldn't be against that. I think that's good for his development. He's still very, very young um, and he did have a lot of hype on him and quite rightly so, if I'm being honest with you. I watched him score outstanding youth goals against Inter Milan, against Barcelona at that level. When we were in the Youth Champions League, he was really a dominant forward at that level um, and quite rightly, he was very highly regarded. Um, obviously, he had a disappointing loan first time out at Millwall um, but then again, I see that as a, as a good experience. I think you would probably learn a lot from playing with, you know, senior Republic of Ireland internationals in that Millwall squad uh, and playing in front of a difficult audience at Den. I reckon he did learn from that. Then he went to Ipswich and now he's at MK Dons. So, yeah, hopefully I've seen a comment from Paddy again, who says, from what I'm told in the know from lads in Dublin, Parrot has really changed his ways off the pitch now. That is the one thing for me that would hold him back. So if he has done that and his maturity in his interviews yesterday kind of pointed to that as well, he's got the ability to go very, very far because there's a lot of talent in the boy. Mm. Just a couple of other names that come up, John. Just Harvey White and uh, Keon Atete. You spoke about Keon earlier, but uh, Harvey White, another player we should maybe look out for maybe over pre-season? Yeah, he's certainly liked by, by, by uh, Antonio Conte. I think the decision was made that there were um, options for him to go on loan at the very end of the January transfer window and kind of moves even agreed. But because Tottenham had that unexpected opportunity of moving on all of Endombele, Lacelso uh, and Hangion Dombele, um, it was seen that he's the most prepared to come in if we had an injury crisis or anything like that. Um, Harvey White is a, a brilliant player. He can play in multiple positions. I've seen him play anywhere from left-back, centre-back to a holding midfield role. Unbelievable set-piece taker, something we desperately need in the team. Um, so I would like Harvey to be given an opportunity pre-season to impress. And if he isn't going to uh, be involved in the first team, alone to the Championship straight away. Brilliant. Fantastic. Uh, just a quick uh, Brief roundup. Obviously, Dijan Kulisevsky, we saw him clash heads with David Zima in Sweden. I think we all held our breath for a second. That was against uh, Czech, Czech Republic on Thursday, which left him a really bad swollen cheek. But thankfully, uh, he recovered OK. Um, unfortunately for him, he will not be heading to the World Cup. It's disappointing for him. But there is joy for uh, on-loan star. To be fair, it hasn't gone quite well for him since he signed for Spurs. Uh, take a bit what you will, Pape Matasar. Um, his form seems to have taken well, fallen off a cliff since he signed for Spurs. So let's hope there's a, a lot more optimism ahead when he does join us. But uh, some would say that's the nature of signing for our football club. But uh, we'll wait and see. Um, earlier during that day, we did also see Hun Min Son play 90 minutes for an already qualified South Korea as they lost 1-0 away to the UAE. Um, elsewhere, just brief mentions, uh, Maxim Patoski was an unused sub for Estonia as they lost 2-0 away to Cyprus in their UEFA Nations League relegation playoff. Uh, meanwhile, Brian Hill um, did score the first goal in their 3-2 Euro qualifying victory away to Slovakia. He was in a sub in the 82nd minute. It's been fair to say it has been a really, really busy um, international period in which we've also seen, coming over to you, Rosk, um, originally Romero being called up by Argentina, but it really ended up becoming a bit of a waste of a journey for him. He went over there. Um, but they couldn't overturn the ban, which meant subsequently um, he came back to Spurs. I mean, obviously, the good news is that it hasn't been an issue where he's been stuck over there. Um, but we honestly come back to Spurs on Tuesday. But again, just a situation we just didn't really need to get ourselves into, and Argentina seeming to hold the cards over us on this one, Ross. 
Yeah, it's a bit weird because they didn't announce that he was part of the squad. No, I, I didn't. I didn't see anything saying that he was, was part of the squad initially. Was it? A, I mean, boys, you can maybe help me. This was a he late call-up, um, right? So he was. He, he had the two-match ban for um, yeah. when he. I think because of the when he broke the COVID rules for the Argentina versus Brazil yeah, match, right. I think he was handed a two-match ban, so he wasn't actually allowed to be in the squad. He travelled over there, I think, in the hope that the, the match, the yeah. two-match ban, would become one. Um, and obviously, that FIFA decided to stick with the two-match ban, and he missed both games. So, yeah. uh, it I mean, how you look at that, Roskin. Yeah, they friendly. Yeah, were they friendlies? Thank, thank, yeah, these, I think the matches, these were, were they both friendly. friendly. No, 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 they're, they're qualified. Not, they're qualified. Uh, I think they were qualifiers, weren't they? Well, I think, uh, so they were both from what they both were they both were qualifiers from what I can see here. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, again, it, it's interesting because with Romero, I mean, Adrian says on the screen they got to see his family. They're getting, of course, is a, that's a plus for him. But you do feel, you know, with Conte loves to work with the players on the training ground. You maybe feel it's a bit of a missed opportunity. But then having said that, I suppose there's so many players away anyway. I mean. The, difference really does it make a massive difference i mean john do you have a view on that romero the yeah. way that was called up then he's not playing uh, i find that really frustrating if i'm being honest with you for all the great things i've said about romero this season i think he's brilliant i find the fact that we've already had some incidents where he went off and he had to train on that island in croatia or whatever that was um so i have this incident arise again when he's just in a good run of form now and settled the partnership with dyer as part of an important back three for us he just had a kid as well. He could have really used his two weeks to spend in London uh, in terms of settling into the, you know, the culture of being around Hotspur Way and the surrounding areas instead of going back to Argentina. I found it quite frustrating, if I'm being honest with you, and I'm sure the club did too. Sorry, I just I understand that one. I, kind of, I, I personally understand it, I think, as I mentioned earlier in the start of the show. From a kind of a selfish point of view, you can understand why he's done it. It's a World Cup year. I think Argentina are a, a side who could quite easily win the World Cup. You know, he's, he's going to want to kind of really make an impression on the coach there. And he's, I think the, the thing is, I think Romero is kind of been dubbed as this this hero from Argentina because they um, they haven't really had a central defender as good as him for a very long time. So, you know, maybe he's got a lot of credit in the bank. Of course, he played an integral part in the winning the, the uh, Copa America as well. So maybe he doesn't really need to make that trip and, and, and kind of make that impression. But I still feel I can I can totally understand why he's done it. I think, you know, every, every player is going to want to be uh, country or club, and I, I can kind of understand it. You know, it's interesting when you um, flip the coin the other way. Uh, we saw Wales manager Rob Page come out and say on Ben Davis return to Spurs precautionary that uh, he's had a lot of football in his legs. It's not so much an injury, but a precaution with regards to Ben. I think we owe it to Tottenham. They've been great with us. It's time to show that respect back. Now, obviously, Ben is coming with a slight tightness, what we understand, um, to one of the quad muscles in his thigh. But when you see that, Rosk, for example, you know, Wales almost, you know, understanding Spurs' predicament. They seem to have a good relationship there with the medical staff. It's a shame they've got that with Wales, but they just seem to don't have that with Argentina's medical staff, right? Yeah, I feel, I feel like, um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you've got the national team. They, everybody wants the best, for, the, best, the best squad. So it's like you're stretched. And I feel like, you know, um, Wales manager coming out and saying, you know, he's, you know, you know, he wants he wants to send Davis back. You know, precautionary reasons. It make him. You know, it's it's good to see that they appreciate that we're we're also making a sacrifice as well as the national team. So, you know, it works both ways, and it, we we need to see more of that. Really, I thought it was interesting, John. Come over to you. This the humidity there of the of the of the manager of Wales. It was really, I think it was a really nice comment to say that. You know that. You know, yeah. uh, they feel like they owe Tottenham. You know, there's obviously a, a good relationship there. Ben's been was what six seven years. Uh, I might have aged in there a little bit, but um, I think it's nice, really, really nice words there from the manager. Do you agree? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously Tottenham do have a good relationship with them. Obviously last year we had Bale as well. We had Roden going as well. Um, we've got a kid who's in the academy called Elliot Fort. We've got one in the under-17s now called Will Andy Japan. So there's a, a big connection with Wales and Tottenham anyway. Um, you've obviously got Yaya Toure, who's doing his coaching badges now, but he's also part of the Welsh Coaching Association. And that's where he's doing his badges. Um, so there is certainly a connection there. And uh, I was pleased to see Ben Davis be returned if he was at any risk of being injured, because we need him for this run-in, make no mistakes about that. It's interesting. I've seen the comments come up about Joe Roden and whether he'll get any game time now. You just feel with Joe Roden that uh, the opportunity he had to get game time seemed to have passed the minute in which Dyer was out and he wasn't selected and Sanchez was favoured. It almost felt that was a closed door. I mean, apparently um, Rob Page, again, manager of Wales, said that he knew Antonio Conte was watching on Thursday and rightly so. He was very complimentary about Joe's performance, he thought he was outstanding. He did play very, very well for Wales, to be fair. And again, for Wales, it seems to be an automatic first choice. I mean, John, what's your view on Joe Roden? Do you think he's got any kind of a future at Spurs, bearing in mind the lack of game time he's had this season? Uh, no, I don't. I think many managers now have had a look and, and worked with him on the training ground. A, you know, there's a decent proportion of our fan base that want him to be given a chance. But I think sometimes when so many managers are saying the same thing, who work with him every day, you have to go with that. I mean, Roden has come in and had a couple of decent games, but I also remember a fair number of mistakes uh, in very limited game time. You know, the other fact that Jaffet Sanganga made 19 appearances this season compared to Roden's handful tells you where they are in the respective pecking orders for whatever reasons. You know, you've got to consider that Roden counts as a non-homegrown player as well in European squad rules. Tanganga counts as homegrown and club trained. Obviously, Tanganga we got for nothing through the academy. Um, I expect that, that Roden is an easy one. We talked about players that will move on this summer, squad players. Uh, Roscoe mentioned it earlier with Bergwijn. I think Roden is the top of that list for his own good as well. The fact that he can go off and play for Wales and have a commanding performance, he needs to be playing week in, week out somewhere. I imagine, I thought he'd probably go to Brighton, if I'm being honest with you, having worked with Potter at Swansea before. Mm. Yeah. Um, the fact they lost Dan Byrne in January, they lost Ben White in the summer. I expect that's quite a sensible move for all parties if he does make that move. Yeah. I mean, is it, is it interesting, uh, Ross, coming over to you, quickly on that for you, Roden, have you been surprised by his lack of game time under Conte? No, it's been it's been a it's been the same pattern what you mentioned earlier with you know he's but he's he's he's, he's below Ben Davies. He's, I don't he's made a lot of mistakes as well. You know I, I do I do I do feel that you know John John mentioned it before. You know it's, I don't feel that he's strong enough for the squad. We we do we do need to get stronger um, you know replacements in in that in that field. So I can't I can't see him and it makes sense for him to go to Brighton. It does. It's It's really interesting, Ross. You say that. I mean because again, Jay, come over to you. You know he's worked with Mourinho. Uh, he's worked with Mason, of course, Nuno, yeah. and now Conte. And you know, there's four or five managers there that just simply quite haven't fancied him. Um, again, they can't all be wrong what they're seeing in training, right, Jay? No, I, I think that's that's the the main thing, really. I think John makes a great point there in terms of all the managers had that opportunity to look, to look at him, and they, you know, if they really thought he was that good, he would he would have been getting those opportunities. I think it's you know it's a different thing playing for Wales. You know, of course, we see some players going away into international duty and, and playing fantastically well. And then they just can't quite do it for the club. So, um, you know, I think it's maybe another situation with Roden where he, you know, he's fantastic for his country, but, you know, clearly he's not, he's not been show, doing enough in training or showing quite enough in training to, to kind of merit his place. But, um, yeah. yes, I, I still think he's a fairly decent player and, and he's another player who I'm sure there'll be lots of interest in the summer from, you know, various different clubs. I think I, I, I'd go again with John there in, in terms of saying I think he's kind of at a level where, I think a Premier League club might come in for him as, you know, he, he certainly has impressed for Wales, but for Spurs, you know, having worked under three or four different managers now and none of them are fancy, there's definitely something in that, unfortunately. 
Jay, let's stick with you. Um, listen, a player that we saw again on the international stage with Wales, Gareth Bell, seemingly taking the game by the scruff of its neck, scoring two stunning goals as they beat Austria 2-1. Set up a playoff final now against either Scotland or Ukraine for a place in Qatar. Um, there's been you know, reports that you know Bell could sign a short-term deal with a new club and retire immediately after this year, year's World Cup. Could you see him... Again, with a reunion to Tottenham, it'll be third, well, I say third time, second time on the base of a reunion, third time he'll be playing for us. Can you see him under Conte? Um, uh, potentially, I think, um, I look, for me, I, I'd say that my, I'd say my heart wants, you know, my heart wants him back and I want to see him back in a Spurs shirt because, of course, we didn't get to see him play at the stadium. It'd be brilliant. And, of course, we can still see what he's done in terms of, you know, he's still producing for Wales. He, of course, had a, uh, I think he had a very good season for us as well in terms of, in comparison to the amount of game time he had, I think he had a great impact for us. But um, his full focus is going to be on the World Cup. Again, it will be on, you know, there's going to be, he's going to be injured quite a lot of the time and he's not going to be very readily available. He's going to be on still very good money, I think. You know, he's not going to come, because he's on 600 grand a week at the moment. I don't think he's going to come, he's obviously going to come down at a fair whack of that, but... He's still going to be on big money, and and do you want to pay that to a player who's who's going to be very rarely available for us? Who's going to have his full focus on mm. being ready for Wales at the World Cup, um, and then kind of where does his head go after the World Cup? You know, will he be you know will he be in football at all? Well, for me personally, I kind of think that after the World Cup's done, I think that that he's he, he's done as well because I think his you know he just doesn't really seem to have that love for football. Yes, of course, for Wales, he's obviously got that that great passion for playing for them, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult because I, I'd love to see him back at Spurs, but I just fear that maybe it's it's just not the right option. It's it's maybe best to look elsewhere now. John, let's come around to you. Gareth Bale, I know he's a player. Listen, you loved, uh, again, coming back the second time was almost like fairy tale, you know, in terms of the way that was done. It's just a shame we just weren't in there to see him. It's the biggest shame. I think we all feel just a little bit cheated that second time around. We weren't in the stadium to witness some of the goals he scored. John, can you see it again? Could you see another reunion or do you just think that door is now firmly closed? I would love Tottenham to make that move. I feel like with the five subs available next season, I think having a Gareth, you know, all this talk about oh, we need to save himself for Wales. Well, he needs to get fit. He needs to get match fitness to save himself for Wales in the first place. I just feel that, you know, he's a winner. He brings phenomenal leadership skills to our, our team. Um, he knows everyone inside out of the club. I feel like it'd be a no-brainer to sell a Bergwijn, for example, for 25, 30 million and sign Bell for free. Um, I, I just see that as an absolute no-brainer. And then you're using that money to then invest in the halves or whatever position we need. Bell counts as club trained, Bell counts as homegrown. So that could then enable you to sell a Harry Winks, for example, and not worry about registration reasons. Um, and, and to top it off, I just think that, that he's still a wonderful player. He scored 11 league goals in absolute minimal starts. Mm. People say he didn't score against the big teams. He didn't play against the big teams. The one time yeah. he did play against the big teams, he's away to Leicester. He come on and scored two unbelievable goals to to see us finishing above Arsenal. Um, I just think he's a magical player. He can take set pieces, something we're screaming for. And I just think having him as the last, you know, 25, 30 minutes of a game to come on and grab you a goal. He can score all sorts of goals. He can score headers. He can score free kicks, long range goals. He's got still got pace. Mm-hmm. I, I just think he would need to to get match fitness. And, and we could afford him that with five subs next season. I certainly think we could. And I think we could sell a Lucas Mora or a Bergwijn and effectively replace him with Bale for nothing. 
Yeah, like you said, 11 Premier League goals, 16 in all competitions. Fair to say we missed those goals this season. Ross, coming over, to you, Ross coming over to you. Um, I mean, the, the thing with Bow again, what seems to be creeping up, as Jamie kind of referenced there, is that whether Spurs will be his priority and whether we're happy to almost be, you know, second in that pecking order to Wales. Do you have a view on Bow coming back in a Spurs shirt? Can you see it happening again? I'd love to see it happen. Just like what John was saying, I think it would be a good thing. And like you know, like John said again, it was you know he knows he knows that he knows the he knows the, uh, the squad, he knows the team, he knows he knows everything about the club. So it's, it makes it kind of makes sense for him to do that. But yeah, it'll be the money that that would be you know the you know the decider for that. And uh, you know even last season, you know the Bell Vinicius as well. You know they their goals are, miss, are missing from our squad. Oh, you know, um, yeah, you know, yeah, it was. It was good to have those guys contributing alongside Kane as well. You know, we need more goal scorers. So it would be nice to have someone that knows everything inside out and that could mm. just slot into the team and you know, even just come off the bench, you know? Yeah. No, I, I, listen, I agree. Listen, he's a game changer. Um, another player that is a game changer who had, again, uh, a really good international period was Christian Eriksen. He scored in his first game back for Denmark against Holland, followed up with another goal against Serbia. I mean, listen, it's doing the rounds at the moment. I saw Jamie trying to really promote and bring him back. Let's ask Jamie first. There's a big grin on his face. Jay, um, have you seen enough already then to be convinced Ericsson automatically gets back into our team when everybody's fit? Um, Does that work? It's very difficult to know where he fit into a contest system. I think um, we saw that at Inter. I don't think he got a great deal of game time under Conte there either. Um, I think we've seen with Conte how he sets up his midfield. If we are going to stick with Conte next season... I think we'll see two midfielders that are kind of, you know, hard workers, the likes of yeah. Alenco and Hoybier. And yeah. whether Ericsson kind of fits that bill, obviously he doesn't. So, you know, is he going to come into the squad and, and replace a, a Kudasevsky or a, um, or a, a Human Son? I don't, I don't think he does. But again, it's, you know, you'd, I think he'd be a great option. And we do need options. I think everyone's always, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people kind of saying that next year they want to see us have like a deep squad. And, and, and he would really kind of, I think he could definitely come into the squad and, and do a real, really good role. He just seems to be on a, a really great renaissance since he's come back. So, um, yeah, for me, I I'd, I'd definitely, I would have him back. Um, of course, you know, he does seem to have a good relationship with Antonio Conte. Um, but, of course, we've seen him previously under Conte and he didn't quite fit into his system. So, um, I think Conte maybe sets up his team slightly differently to how he did at Inter Milan, though. Um, he did play two strikers, whereas at Spurs, he's obviously got a striker and then obviously wingers around them, so mm, or, yeah. or forward. So maybe he could fit in, but um, I personally would take him. But it's, I think uh, Jason mentioned to me on Twitter, it's, you know, does Conte want him? Then uh, I'd be fully behind it because I think that, you know, he's, he's really as impressed. Yeah, I mean, we know, John, coming over to you, that they're actually standing in the hotel at the moment. So they're probably seeing a lot of each other when they're over here in the UK. Uh, is it just easy to say, John, come back? And because the only thing I say about Ericsson is that we can't forget um, that, you know, there was clearly a falling out there between himself and Daniel Levy. The dispute over the contract, the way he left, wasn't probably in the greatest um, of ways. And listen, Spurs have gone back before. They've obviously brought Gareth Bale back to the club. Um, we've been there with Jermaine Defoe, Robbie Keane. We can know lots of players have come back to Spurs. Can you see that happening, John, based on content, the way he plays with his teams? Does Ericsson fit into this structure? I think you make the structure fit, Ericsson. I think he's that good. I hold him actually in huge respect. I know people say, oh, he down tools or he wanted to go or whatever. Let's remember that when he went, he was free to sign a pre-contract and go for nothing. Yeah, he could have yeah. signed that contract then and there and said, yeah. I'm going for nothing for more money, more wages. He didn't do that. He got Tottenham 20 million pounds, which, you know, people might not say is a lot of money, but he didn't need to do that. But he got us 20 million pounds. He went off. He won a Scudetto, another winner. 
I would have Ericsson back all day in the squad. I think he's an unbelievable talent. I'm delighted to see the way he's, uh, you know, brought his career back. It's fantastic. It really is. And I feel like he's still got so much to offer. And I feel like this period at Brentford is merely a, a training exercise for him, knowing that the bigger task will come in the summer. And I think if we don't move for him, somebody else will, and we will regret that. Um, I think we've seen the impact uh, Coutinho has had at Villa, for example. Um, he's another player that I advocated we really should have gone for in January and we didn't quite do that. Um, but Ericsson is obviously going to be available on a free. Already knows Conte, already knows London, already knows Hotspur Way, already knows Tottenham. Fans love him. I think he's an absolute no-brainer on a free transfer. And I don't imagine he's on huge money at Brentford either. It's interesting, Ross. We've seen reports that with regards to Ericsson that you know he'll be committed to Brentford unless a top six club top six club comes in for him in the summer. You just feel there's the appetite there of the player wanting to join Spurs. Do you need to sign him to deny him going to a rival would maybe also make sense because, you know, whoever picks up Ericsson, you know, you've already seen the quality. He is finishing, he's still there, he's still got assists in his game. Do you think realistically it's a player that we could we could sign, Ross, under this current formation? Possibly. It's all, it's, all, it's all down to Conte. If Conte wants him, then I'm, I'm all for it, to be fair. Um you know, it's 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 up to the player as well if he really wants to come back down this 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 side. You know, um, I can't see him going to a rival um, in the top six unless unless they're going to pay him good money. But it would make sense for him, like just like Bale, to come back. He's familiar with everything. He knows what how the clubs run. So, you know, but it's up to Conte. It's up to, it's yeah. up to Conte. The only thing that worries me a little bit, Eric, said obviously he left Tottenham with a desire to win trophies. Obviously, he went to Inter Milan. He got the title over there. I, I just want to sincerely hope that if he was to sign for Spurs, he's got that genuine belief that he can win. But again, you'd like to think I'll be tied up with Conte because it seems everything with Conte is tied up between a lot of those players, like Harry Kane, who um, we spoke about earlier. Now, we've had some obviously news this week in terms of a couple of new deals for some of the players, uh, youth-wise. And John, it's good to bring you in on this because we've seen Charlie Sayers, that's today, uh, of course, recording on Wednesday here, signing his first professional contract with the club. He's uh, celebrating his 18th birthday on Tuesday. He joined our academy from Southend United in December of last year. He's made nine appearances to date for our under-18 so far. Many of them as a captain, scoring twice. Is that good to get that one over the line, John? Yeah, I think that was kind of promised to him when he joined. I think it was just a formality when he turned 18 earlier this week. That was always going to happen. Um, obviously, when he joined from Southend, he was provisionally told it was a three-year contract. Boyhood Tottenham fan uh, settled in really nicely, actually. Uh, you know, he came into the under-18s. I imagine they told him, look, Dennis Serkin left for Sunderland in the summer. There is a clear spot to be the left-back for the under-23s. I then push on and see how far you can take that. So I think he'll establish himself as the first-team left-back next year for the under-23s. Um, and he's certainly one for the future, but he's settled in really, really nicely and has got a good physique and can also play at centre-half as well. Interesting. And also, John, uh, Brandon Austin signing a new contract with the club. I think there's real promising hopes for him as a keeper. Uh, he's only 23. Uh, you know, a real product of our academy system. You're going to know him a lot more than me. He's been named as a sub for us on 13 senior competitive games this season. He's previously spent time on loan at Danish side uh, Viborg and Orlando City in the MLS. Um John, is it one that we should be keeping an eye on? Is he going to, hopefully, in a few years' time, really push you over that number one is? Probably after Hugo's left, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't think so, if I'm being totally honest with you. Uh, with, with Brandon, I feel like um, I, I feel like we've actually got another keeper in the academy that would be more likely to push on and, and make that claim for a future role. With keepers, though, it's very, very difficult. I, mean, I put a tweet out about this week whereby, look how well Dean Henderson did last year. On loan to Sheffield United, loads applauded, it, got into the England squad. He's now gone back to United and not been able to oust the hair on a long-term basis. Um, keepers have got to like 
two scenarios happen. You either go on loan and do outstandingly well and the club make a position for you and move on their other keeper, or there's got to be an injury crisis where both your keepers get injured. It rarely, rarely happens. It's really difficult as a keeper to break through. Hardest position, no doubt at all. Um, but the keeper I mentioned before um, is Timothy Lotolata. He's an uh, under-18 goalkeeper who's started playing up for the under-23 this year. He's also France under-19's number one goalkeeper. During this international break, went away, made three appearances for them. Very vocal, great reflexes, and has got a good size to him as well. He's the one I really want to see Tottenham uh, build up and, and, and get a network of good loans to benefit him for the future. I think that's one to really look out for, Lotolata. Interesting. John, just a final one we haven't mentioned yet. Alfie Devine, I think he provided an assist um, during his international break. Listen, there's yeah. lots of good talk around Alfie Devine at the moment. Is it going to be too too early, John, for next season? He's only, what, 16, 17? Am I right in saying? Very, very young still. Yeah, 17. And I think with, with Alfie, uh, Alistair Gold, friend of the show, um, made a point of saying the plan for Tottenham next year, or certainly the message inside the club, is that he will stay around Tottenham next year. Um, owing to homegrown registration reasons because he's joined from Wigan as a 15-year-old. He hasn't done his full three years yet to count as homegrown and club trained, which he will the year after. So unlike, obviously, Dane that's been at the club since he was eight, um, Alfie obviously only joined at 15, so it's a different pathway. So I think Dane will go out on loan next year and Alfie will stay around the first team squad, hoping to make some minutes here and there. Okay, interesting, John. Thanks so much for that. Faz on the screen that says, is it, is it not time to move on? From our ex-players. I mean, my reference back to you, Faz, would be a response to that would be, um, are those ex-players better than what we've got at the moment? And I think, you know, if you look at the likes of Ericsson um, as a player, when you look at what we are still, for me, in need of a lock picker, I know maybe it isn't what Conte wants in his system, but, you know, when you see the way he's performing, I think it's very hard to deny a player like that wouldn't be, a, wouldn't improve us. Do you know what I mean? I think, again, that's why case by case, looking at players, Gareth Bale, like we said, I mean, look at the goals he contributed to Spurs. You know, you can't believe that in big moments for Tottenham, you know, with hopefully more games next season in some form of European competition, uh, he wouldn't benefit us. Now, we have seen, or, you know, previously this week, uh, Fabio Paratici come out and give us an eight-minute update um, on Spurs. And, you know, I think there's only a little bit of frustration that these haven't been done more often. We mentioned this with the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust on Sunday, that, um, you know, we thought with Paratici's point, we'd be getting a bit more transparency as to, you know, what the plan is for the club. There was also you know, potential talk that Paratigy would be talking to supporter fan groups, the likes, hopefully, of last one on Spurs and Lily White Rose, you know, Jamie over at Daily Hotspur, you know, there's hopefully confidence that Paratigy would do that. As of this moment, still, uh, we await the call for the interview. <laughs> as, as we wait by the phone, you might be waiting a bloody long time, to us with you, so don't get too carried away here. We'll let you know if it does come eventually. Um, but Rosk, he says, um, opening that we are in a much better position than we were four or five months ago, two months ago, Every one of us was pessimistic. At the moment, it's the opposite. He went on to say, our project is to rebuild the club, rebuild the team, be competitive in the long term and be competitive every season. Uh, Ross, did you feel from that interview more inspired once you heard it? Or do you feel at the moment it's just a lot of the same rhetoric and we need to see what actually happens on the pitch? We've got oh, Ross on mute. Yeah, We're on mute. Uh, yeah, when we when we meant, when he keeps mentioning about long term, the long term, and the thing is, we've we've been in the long term for a long a long time, and and that was kind of a bit frustrating to keep hearing that same thing, you know, long the long term, long term. So hopefully, you know, I would I'd like to see some some progress. The progress that's happening, I'm really happy with. You know, we can see the system that Conte is trying to play. We can we're we're feeling comfortable in in an international break. We can we can actually feel that we're looking forward to actually seeing another game 
Do you know what I mean? Rather than actually feeling, you know, like we don't want to hear nothing, don't want to speak about it. Do you know what I mean? So we're we're in a we're in a positive sort of feeling about you know the next the next game, the next what's going on next. So hopefully, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see a bit more transparency in what he's saying, and yeah, definitely needs to come with a bit more. Yeah, I'll say a more frequent sort of message. You know, you know what's interesting for me, John, when uh, that came out is I know Martin Clug also picked up on this from the trust. You know, there's not one word about winning in there. You know, we've got Kane at the club, we've got Son at the club, we've got Conte here. There's nothing about, you know, winning. And I know, again, he's talking about an update now and it's more about, you know, planning for the future. Does that, are, are we losing sight of that, John? Just essentially, you know, we've got one of the best managers here in world football. We've got one of the best strikers in the world, Harry Kane. Hugo Lloris is still up there as one of the best goalkeepers. We've got one of the best centre-backs, you know, in terms of Christian Romero. Does it worry you just, um, just maybe that the lack of... <laughs> oh, again, I use that term winning. Should that be used in these statements, John, or is, are we, am I blown out of proportion? I think you can only judge it on when the statement's made, if I'm being totally honest with you. And I think he made it at a point whereby, um, obviously, we're out of all cup competitions this season and we probably can't win the title. We you know, definitely can't win the title. So um, I think it, you know, it was fair talking about the goals and, and realistic goals that are in front of us. We have improved the squad, in my opinion, simply adding Kulovetsky and Benson Hall, two players that are able to contribute to Premier League games for the full 90 minutes. It's a phenomenal improvement on where we were before. Um, so, look, we've got nine cup finals left. Seven wins, including one over Arsenal. That will do it for me, my opinion. We'll back in the top four. And then we can start looking at what we can do next year. Then he can come out with another statement. But personally, we've gone from having no statements whatsoever. We've had a chairman's message once a year. So now yeah. we're getting these after every transfer window. That's an improvement for me. Nothing to yeah, complain yeah. about. I, I like them. Yeah, gradual. I mean, gradual, it adds up to three or four. So, uh, listen, it, it, hopefully, I mean, it's it, hopefully it bodes well for transparency. Uh, Jay also said in that statement, I'm trying not to laugh as I, as I read this, uh, Eric Dyer, amazing. Ben Davis, the same. Sanchez, Jafet Tanganga, Roden, when they played, they did well. So we have a very good group of defenders, so we're very happy. What did you take of that statement for you, Jamie? You know, were you happy with what came out there from Parasaji? Could we have asked for any more? Mm. I'd say on the winning bit, I think at the moment it's, I think the situation of next season is going to be very uncertain. Um, I think a lot, as John mentioned, is going to depend on Champions League football. And I think that kind of when we get to the end of the season, we know what we're, you know, we're working with next season. I think as well with with Conte, I mean, I don't necessarily think that Champions League is the be all and end all for, for Conte in terms of Spurs have to be in that. I think that will play a big role in maybe how, in terms of how he's backed. But I think if Conte looks at him and thinks, you know, he's getting in the super adequate players, you know, he's getting in more Ben Kuzeski because, you know, we don't necessarily need, you know, to be spending big money. We've seen that with with the two new signings. They weren't big money signings. They were very smart signings, in fact. You know, they were great deals. So, um, you know, if we're, if we're kind of showing Conte that we're, um, you know, we're getting in the right players, we're getting in players that suit his system. Um, and and there's kind of, you know, we're at a stage where we're, we're able to really go and, you know, we're able to kick on. Of course, we are starting to see signs of Conte's system really being in place. And, you know, I think if Conte, you know, we get to the summer, and we, we'll see where we're at. So um, I think the big thing as well was with the new signings. He was kind of speaking about how, you know, he was able to identify these players for Conte and kind of, um, uh, you know, they, they're fitting into his system. And I think this will be the big thing. I think obviously with Nuno, it was a guy he's not worked with before. He's not really had experience, but... You know, he knows exactly what Conte is going to want. And I think it was no coincidence that these two new guys have come in and hit the ground so well under Conte. I think they're guys that just suit him so well. Because obviously with Conte, I think the big thing is having the mentality as well. And these two new guys have come in with, with absolutely the perfect mentality. You know, they're desperate to kind of prove themselves. Um, obviously had a difficult time at Juventus. 
And, you know, they're showing fantastic mentality. They're showing great ability. They're doing exactly what Spurs have needed. So I think our recruitment, although it was kind of difficult to see that in the summer, I think now we've got a manager that he's worked with before, that he's kind of got experience of buying those, you know, the right sort of players for that system. I think our recruitment will will start to get better now. Of course, as I said, it was it was difficult to see that in the summer, but um, I, I'm more confident now that we're going to go and get the right players for Antonio Conte. And as I said, I don't think you necessarily need to spend big money. I think it's about just being smart, knowing the manager, and he knows that. So um, I'm looking for I'm looking definitely looking forward to this in the summer. It'd be fantastic if we can get the Champions League because I think I think if we were to get Champions League money. You've got that track of yeah. being in the Champions yeah. League, yeah. London the stadium, everything, everything about the club would just be unbelievably attractive and I think we'd we'd really be able to kick on and I don't think we're I don't think we're very far off winning. I really think that, you know, this is going to be a massive, massive summer for Spurs. I think Spurs have got an opportunity here where you've got a good squad, you've got a good squad, but there are areas of clear weakness. And you know, we're already seeing, even with these big weaknesses, you know, the fullbacks are meant to be crucial for Conte's system. And even with Paul for Paul wing backs, you know, we're still playing good football. Um so if we can go and kind of build in uh, get the key positions that Conte needs, then um, then I, I, I'm really excited for next season. But uh, equally, it could it could be a disaster. We've seen this so many times with Tottenham when we've come to a kind of a, a real turn, you know, a moment which could define us. And you know, yeah. sometimes it's not worked out. But uh, I'm feeling very confident with kind of everything that's in place that um, we can get it right. Yeah, I mean, listen, Paratici spoke as if hopefully, fingers crossed, Conte is here for the foreseeable future. I won't put long-term on it because, I mean, who knows what football is now in terms of long-term. Um, you know, we've seen Lloris come out uh, during the international break and say, since the role of Antonio Conte, we sense a real progression. Even if we had a few difficulties, we get the feeling that we're taking it to the next level as a team. And I think we'll be ready for the final push to go and get a European spot. I mean, again, when you hear comments like that from Lloris, it doesn't feel like there's a short term around Conte. But again, you do feel it's going to be a defining nine games. I just hope for our sake that... Um, John has referenced they're, they're not cup finals because uh, we know Spurs don't win cup finals. So uh, we hope they're nine important games for Tottenham. Uh, Rosk, to come around to you. Um, we've seen Fabrizio Romano, friend of the show, say, you know, Antonio Conte wants Kane to stay at all costs. He actually went to say if Antonio will stay at Tottenham, it's because he knows that Harry Kane is staying. He wants to make sure that Harry Kane will be a key part of Tottenham's project. Conte and Kane's future is linked. Uh, do you also agree, Ross, that, you know, that really does kind of cement the bond there with regards to Kane and Conte, that if we can keep Kane happy, Conte vice versa, we've got a very, you know, good next season ahead of us. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, if 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 the if the feeling's mutual between both of them then and, and they want to stay and win stuff here, then then I'm all I'm all for it. I mean, if it's if it's the opposite, if Kane leaves and Conte wants to leave based on that, that that's where it'd be a bit tricky. But hopefully if if you know, regard you know, not looking at it negatively, but if Kane does leave and, you know, he's really adamant that he wants to leave, then hopefully then Conte gets that money and he can reinvest and get the, get the players that he wants as well. But ideally, in an ideal world, I'd want both of them to stay and, um, yeah, let, like push on for this, this season because it'll be a really good season next season. Absolutely. Well, what we will do, we will go for our final break of the show for our listeners that are on audio. Take you into this break. You're going to hear from a couple of Newcastle podcasters. We've got Matt Ketchell. And we've also got Matty from the Gallagate Shots giving us their views. 
on that Newcastle game coming around fast this Sunday. Greetings everyone, Matthew here at the Gallagher Shots YouTube channel, here to give an opposition supporters view when it comes to previewing Spurs' next game against Newcastle at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday. Now the last time I spoke on this podcast I was just catching my breath like most Newcastle supporters um, after the takeover that seemed dead seemed to happen overnight. Now this created a lot of positivity around the club, but the next game was against Spurs and we lost 3-2 in a scoreline that probably flattered us a little bit. And in a game where pretty much all our football and frailties were laid bare, our defensive frailties and lack of organisation, our lack of creativity going forward, the ideas or lack thereof of, uh, from our inept manager and just the lack of you know fire and organisation and training off the pitch. It was all coming to the front and it was there were problems that we really needed to sort out if we were going to have any chance of staying in this league. Now Steve Bruce was rightly sacked a couple of days later and we instilled uh, Graham Jones in as like a sort of caretaker role while the, the higher ups and owners looked at their managerial targets. It did seem like we were going to get Unai Emery, which would have been quite a funny sub-narrative to this Sunday's game, but we've ended up with Eddie Howe. Now to say he's done a good job uh, is probably a criminal understatement. Uh, he has done a fantastic job. Um, along with you know the January recruits, uh, he has really took the, the, the ashes of what he's inherited and made it into something. And the, the organisation, the, the efforts on the training pitch are really evident and that can be seen in the players that he inherited. The Joe Lintons. Joe Linton, this £40 million flop of a centre-forward, has been turned into this central midfield enforcer who's also still trying to score goals like he did against Brentford. Joe Willock started scoring goals again. John Joe Shelby's influencing the player. Fabian Scher is playing well again. And, you know, you add into that these new signings and this started a run where I couldn't believe Newcastle got 19 points from 21 after a 1-0 win away at Leeds. Now, things weren't great straight away. Uh, like I said, Eddie Howe, he got, the, he got the first win against Burnley, which was great, but we, we lost 1-0 at home to Cambridge, which was a massive disappointment, getting knocked out, out of the cup. We, we lost 4-0 away at Leicester, and we drew 1-1 and drew 1-1 with Norwich and Watford and, and surrendered Leeds, but his hard work ended up paying off and bringing in the likes of Kieran Trippier, who's been absolutely fantastic. He's now injured, which is a shame, but his class and quality was plain to see from that right-back position. Free kicks, he was he was, he was was really dangerous from them. His organisation and leadership led to him even being captain in one game. But we look at the likes of Dan Byrne. He's been an absolute monster for Newcastle. Uh, some people saw the likes of him signing and Chris Wood as sort of underwhelming signings. Dan Byrne especially has been nothing but... Brilliant for Newcastle, marshalling that centre uh, back area, and you know Matt Target coming in at left back. He's been absolutely fantastic as well. Chris Wood was seen as a little bit underwhelming that we, we may have overpaid for him a little bit. I disagree slightly because I think he's a very hard working centre forward who's doing everything he's been asked of by by uh, Eddie Howe and this new uh, system that he's implementing. I know he needs to bring more goals to his game, but he has scored the one against Southampton, and the next two games were a bit difficult for him. I think there was a bit of tiredness there, so hopefully he'll come back fresh at the weekend. And then there's Bruno Guimaraes. He's obviously a quality player. Brazilian international. We spent a lot of money on him. He was slowly eased into the side, and rightly so because. 
the three jaws in midfield, John Jaw, Joe Willock and Joe Linton, have been absolutely brilliant. Who will make way for Gimmerish at the weekend? I'm not too sure, but I would probably go for Joe Willock. So my, my prediction will be Dubravka in goal if he overcomes this throw problem. He got on international duty. Matt Target at left-back. Dan Byrne alongside Fabian Scher, again, if he's recovered from a knock on international duty. Right-back, Emil Kraft will probably start there. A player who has improved under Eddie Howe, but he's still a very limited footballer. I'd rather see Mankeo start there. Midfield three of Bruno Gimmerich, uh, John Joe Shelby and Joe Linton, with Joe Willock just missing out. But if he doesn't, I'm not going to complain too much. Uh, the front three... Um, Ryan Fraser will probably start a player who again has been hugely improved under Eddie Howe's former manager at Bournemouth and hopefully Alan St Maximum will be back in the side doing what he does best he's came off the bench in the last couple of games in those 1-0 defeats and hasn't really looked like he's been up to much but again he has been injured and we all know what he can do on his day and then spearheading the attack will again be Chris Wood who I said will be working hard and pressing the defence and hopefully got that aerial threat and we're going to be putting crosses in from both sides of the pitch. In terms of prediction I'm one of the most pessimistic Newcastle supporters in the world but you know I would very much like a 1-1 draw that'll take that with bells on but you know, let's be optimistic. Hopefully, we can sneak another one-nil win like we did a couple of seasons ago with Joe Linton scoring the winner. Um, best of luck to you guys, even though I don't mean it. And safe travels to the home support and, of course, the travelling Geordies. And hopefully, we will speak again soon. All the best. Phoenix Fifty One is a powerful employee technology enabling organisations to make data-driven decisions at every stage of the employee journey, from hiring through benchmarking and development too. The platform provides detailed analytics on the most important asset in your business, your people, enabling organizations not only to make the correct hiring decisions, but also how to benchmark, train and retain them. Phoenix 51, powering your people decisions through every part of the employee journey. Hello, Ricky and the team. Matt Ketchell here, football editor at Chronicle Live. Great to be back. On the last word on Spurs podcast, looking forward to the game this weekend, really looking forward to it, great time to be a Newcastle United fan, they've had a great week over international break, haven't had uh, too many injuries and a lot of players have been scoring goals and the whole vibe around the club is is just incredible, little things happening like um, Shearer's Bar being renamed from the number nine to the Alan Shearer Bar at the stadium, but there's owners just looking after fans in general and Newcastle Playing well, not always getting results, but sort of getting closer to safety every game. And games are selling out. It's been hard to get a ticket for this Spurs game in the, in the Newcastle away end. Uh, the vibe is, is fantastic and we're, and we're looking forward to the, the game on Sunday. Looking to, forward to maintaining an unbeaten record at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Won one and drawn one. And like I said, it's been a good week. Uh, the team have been away in Dubai, those that weren't on international duty. They played a friendly out there against Gulf United, which is managed by former Newcastle player Stephen Taylor. Uh, he didn't play, but he's, he's the manager there. They won 5-0. Gale got a couple of goals. Remember him, Dwight Gale? And Alan St. Maximum, more importantly, scored two goals. So he is back fit. And hopefully he's been out there doing some uh, some fitness work because he hasn't started a game since the 13th of February. And I'm wondering if he's going to start this game. I think he might. So um, with that in mind, let's let's have a look at what Newcastle United could potentially line up, line up like on Sunday. Um, I think they'll go with Dubravka in goal. He came back early from international break with tonsillitis. 
the um, Slovakia manager got the translation wrong and said he had angina. He definitely hasn't got angina. It was tonsillitis. So he came back as a precaution and he's declared himself fit for the game. I think Newcastle will go with a 4-3-3 for this. They went with a five at the back of Chelsea. I think they'll go with four at the back for this one. And I think that back four comprise of either Emil Kraft or Mankio at right back. Probably Emil, Emil Kraft, Swedish international. And then the only... Injury we had over the international break was Fabian Charles picked up some sort of groin injury. He's 75% for this game, so it'll be either him or Lascelles at right centre-back, Dan Byrne left centre-back, and Matt Target, who's on loan from Villa, at left-back, who's doing really well, and Newcastle are hopefully going to sign for around about £15 million in the summer. Um, midfield three, it will be, I think, Joe Willock, uh, Bruno Guimeres, and Joe Linton. So I think Shelby will miss out uh, in that three. We've got four great midfielders, five if you count Sean Longstaff, and Eddie Howe likes to play a three. And I think Willick, Guimeres, and Joe Linton on the left is going to be his, his preferred three. Shelby's missed the last two through illness, and Guimeres has just been playing fantastic. Every time he's played, he's been brilliant. He scored a back heel volley that you will have saw away at Southampton on his first start. He scored his first goal for Brazil during the international break. Unbelievable. Uh, side volley into the top corner just playing fantastic and looks like a player with real quality so if he does start which I predict him to do keep an eye out for him he's he's some boy and then three up front I predict that will be Ryan Fraser on the right Chris Wood through the middle and hopefully Alan St Maximum on the left um, if not St Maximum then I'll mirror on and I expect St Maximum to be involved uh, from the bench if St Maximum does start I reckon we'll only get an hour out of him to be honest when he's fully fit that's all you can get normally get out of him he's um, fitness question mark for me over his fitness so let, let's see which St Maximum turns up he's been in for a bit of criticism for all his uh, substitute appearances in the last few games hasn't really been doing the business so hopefully a return to his exciting form will happen this weekend tactics wise I have never seen a Newcastle United team press as much as this team has in 30 years watching the team Eddie Howe has got this team pressing the life out of teams we've pinned Chelsea back um, when we played them a couple of weeks ago uh, at Stamford Bridge very impressive to see it but Chelsea had the quality to play out from it and, and got away and, and, and sneaked a 1-0 win at the end which was was disappointing so Chelsea handled it but they they really were pinned right back so that's something Spurs are going to have to be aware of playing out from the back and my prediction for the game I fancy Newcastle going to every game fancy Newcastle now because of the way Eddie Howe's got the team set up because of the mood because of the confidence because of the team spirit you know we, we feel like we can win every game uh, we were unlucky uh, not to win against Chelsea, should have had a penalty, uh, last-minute goal from uh, Kai Havertz, who might have been sent off for an elbow on Dan Byrne. We felt unlucky in that game. The Everton game was the one where they didn't play very well, didn't deserve anything. That was a real disappointment. That was the first time they've really not performed under Eddie Howe, so that was a disappointment. But hopefully, get back to winning ways. Let's see. Let's see if we can win. Got a good record at White Hart Lane, good record at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I'm predicting a Newcastle win by one goal, uh, a 1-0 or a 2-1, and I'm predicting a lively away end. Looking forward to getting in there and sampling some of these fast, poor beers. I've been to the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium two times, but not for football. So looking forward to, to getting stuck in and hopefully be a good game. Nice to chat to you, lads. Enjoy the rest of the show. Now, a lot of you will already know about this, but uh, we're going to give it another plug. We're delighted on the last one on Spurs to be sponsored by Nord VPN. Now, Nord are, of course, a secure 
fast and incredibly to use VPN. NordVPN, in our opinion, they're the Harry Kane of VPNs. Incredible in all their facets with device protection as strong as Christian Romero. But the internet speed of Hun Min Son, not Adama Traore. You have to wait for that one. And we have a 5,200 servers across 59 countries in the UK, uh, in the, around the world. NordVPN automatically selects the best server based on location, loads of your specific needs. Uh, we are currently running a discount code at the moment that will allow you to get, well, one month free plus a bonus gift and a huge discount by using that code LWOS. Now, for me personally, using Nord, um, I found it a great way to get YouTube Premium at a cheaper idea, a cheaper way. I mean, you can change your location settings, of course, by uh, using either India or Argentina. And dare I say, if you are flying, um, also a great way to try and avoid all those dodgy internet connections. So make sure you check that out. NordVPN, our friends. Thank you so much, as always. And um, we've got Newcastle to come, guys, this coming Sunday. Um, John, let's start with you. You reference it's nine cup finals to come for Spurs. Uh, the dreaded line that you could hear from a Tottenham fan, nine cup finals. What are you expecting, John, ahead of this weekend? Do you expect Spurs to carry on their winning form in the Premier League? Yeah, it's an interesting one. If this game had been a month ago, I would have been far more worried about it. I think that Newcastle are now completely safe. I think I think the you know that fact when Trippier came in and they won those three straight games was massive for them. Um, I think Newcastle are safe now. And I, and I think the the fact that we've got Kane and Son seemingly both banging form at the minute will have a little bit too much for Newcastle on the day. But make no mistake, they're a very good side. I hope that Bruno Guimaraes is away with Brazil late into the hours. Um, I know that also uh, the striker they knocked up from Burnley, um, his name escapes me now, uh, but he's on international duty as well, the big guy. Um, so, so they're Chris missing Wood. a couple of their normal... Chris Wood, there we go. Um, they're missing a couple of their normal uh, starting players um, so we've got to take advantage of that and we've got to get the three points over the line against Newcastle because if we don't, you know, our opportunities are, are going to start running out because we have got Liverpool away. That's the one I'm, I'm desperately worried about from that run of nine games left. So games like Newcastle at home, although their recent improvement and form since January, we still have to be brushing them aside and getting those points on the board. Make no mistake about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Spurs at the moment, of course, uh, as they enter these nine games, we're sitting, Jay, coming over to you, fifth in the league, and of course, listen, we're all hoping to overtake Arsenal in that top four battle. There has been some murmurings as we're on tonight recording um, that that Arsenal fixture, again, from the Daily Mail, this has come. So again, listen, depends how reputable you want to believe that source is, that that game could drop from what we're hearing um, between the week, well, the week beginning May the 9th. So it does feel like it's almost going to become the top four playoff. But that's obviously dependent on the teams continuing their run of form. Uh, you know, Newcastle, Jay, you know, they're, going to be tricky opposition you know I know they had obviously back-to-back defeats but um you know their form since Eddie Howe's come in I mean he's transformed them hasn't he really if we're being honest they look search for relegation and now I mean barring a really bad run they should stay up what have you made of Eddie Howe going in there and making and doing the job he's done so far yeah they have been really impressive and uh, I think they made some really kind of shrewd signings I think a lot of people were talking of them going and, and signing these top tier players straight away but I think they've done it quite cleverly in terms of you know, they've gone and got players that were going to keep them in the division. Um, I think it could have been a, maybe a bit of a disaster if they went out and signed all these players that aren't used to being in a relegation uh, fight. But they had, they, they just, their, their chance of business was very sensible and they've done a great job. But um, it does look as though kind of right now they are, they are on pretty much on the beach at the moment. You know, I think they are pretty much safe. They've done a fantastic job in getting there and, and that's full credit to them. But ultimately, we've seen, as you said, they've, they've suffered two defeats in a row now. 
Um, so I think for a, a, a side with our ambitions, we have to be going and beating them on the weekend. There's absolutely no no excuses for that. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I think for me, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think that Spurs, they're starting to click as well. They're giving me a lot more confidence. I know we, you know, Spurs fans, we always laugh and we get a bit of confidence. But I, th I think you you have to do it when there's genuine optimism. And, and you look at that front three, it's, it's arguably one of the best in the league at the moment. It's really starting to click. Kulosevsky's been fantastic in terms of contribution. Obviously, we spoke at the start of the season that we hadn't replaced Gareth Bale, but now we've got a guy who's coming in and, and contributing a great deal to this team. So you've got a really solid front three. You've got Pentoncourt doing fantastically well in midfield. Um, and then, of course, defensively, we're, we're looking much better as well. Of course, we want to go and improve on that in the summer big time. Um, but th there's lots to like about this, this squad at the moment uh, for Spurs. And we are looking like we're starting to click. I think we've definitely put pressure on, on Arsenal at the moment. I think if you look at a lot of their fans, they're talking about Spurs maybe being over their shoulders. They're starting to talk about us. I think it was a big psychological win against West Ham. I think, you know, necess not necessarily the biggest win. Of course, it was a West Ham side that were coming off, a, you know, a, a very tricky uh, game against Seville where they'd used a lot of energy in 120, 120 minutes. But for Spurs, it was just such a big win psychologically. As I said, Arsenal are now talking about us and uh, we're well in that race for the top four. So, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the rest of the season. We've got a lot to play for um, and we are starting to click. And uh, I know it can come out and, uh, and uh, maybe I look a bit silly, but there's genuine optimism. And, uh, and mm. that, that's, I have to, you just have to say that. So uh, I'm looking for I'm really looking forward to the, to the game and uh, it will definitely be interesting. Just just before being Roskin, Jay, just to sit you for one second, I want to ask you about Oliver Skip. I mean, there were suggestions from Conte that he yeah. would hopefully be back for this one, although we heard from friend of the show, Ali Gold, that may have got slightly carried away in that update. Um, listen, there's obviously there's great frustration from Conte every time you hear him at a pre-match presser, you know, yeah. in terms of supposed medical staff and him not being fit and available. I mean, if he was available, would, would you look to bring him straight in or would you keep it with Hoybier and Bentecure? Because they have been playing quite well together. Yeah, you, you, I, I think that's the good thing at the moment. I mean, Skip is, is a big player for us. He has been a big uh, loss. But however... I think that the guys that are covered for him at the moment, the likes of Hoybier and, and Bentecourt, they've, they've formed a good partnership at the moment. So um, they're, they're, they're definitely sticking in the team for me at the moment. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's just, it says a lot about those two that, as I said, you've got such an important player like Skip potentially ready to come back into the team. But I think I don't think you change it right now. Um, I think mm. you'd, you'd have to keep it how it is. So um, yes, I'd, I'd stick with the two in the middle at the moment. Absolutely. To crack us in on the screen. Cracks, looking forward to having you back on Sunday. Big game. Cracks will be with us to review that Newcastle game. Depending on that result, they will be here. I promise you will be. We're going to need some of the analogies depending on how that result does go. Uh, Ross, coming over to you. Uh, listen, Newcastle themselves, I mean, at the moment, they, listen, they, they look quite safe and sound. I mean, they're in the bottom half of the league, but they'll be keen to get back to winning ways and try and extend that nine-point nine lead over 18th plate place Watford. I mean, I picked up on some of the comments there. Some saying because of the nature of where they are now, they do feel a little bit safer than before. They may have a lack of motivation going to this game. Can you see that? Because for me, under Eddie Howe, I think he will be really drilling these players to say we're not safe yet. We're going to need the points. Yeah, I think I think they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna fight. They're gonna fight for this game. But I feel like the system we've got at the moment. I feel like we've got we've got something going on here now. I feel like we've we've broken that win loss win loss system that we've had running. And I feel like we're we're going to push on now, and I'm I'm confident about this game. You know, I feel like we are going to get something out of this game. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't I can't see Newcastle getting fully into it. We we might hit them quickly and just you know and just take them out of the game. I see a couple of um, score predictions three 0 I'd love that. 
You know, you know what's interesting, John? I mean, how do you think we're going to approach this one tactically? Because, you know, Spurs, I feel like, you know, when we... Listen, we had those really poor defeats at home to Southampton and Wolves. And I think with a game like this, you, you do need the fans to stay with you. And the fans were... It was amazing against West Ham. It was a London derby. The thing with this was we know that obviously a lot of teams would have played before we're playing on Sunday, which almost heightens the pressure even more on us to get a result. Are you confident that, you know, we can... Well, I want to know from you how, how you feel Spurs should set up for this one based on the players Newcastle have got and the way they're, they're playing. Yeah, I think there's a point to be made that Newcastle's last two visits to the top of Oxford Stadium have been a one-all draw and a one-nil victory for them. So we've struggled yeah. to create really chances, struggled. we've struggled to get yeah. goals and, and they, they've been very strong defensively. And that goes back all the way to the Tim Krull days. You remember that sodding game he had against us at the old White Hart Lane making 900 saves or whatever it was, you know. We've had trouble with Newcastle home. Away from home, we seem to go up there and beat them. But at home, we really struggle against Newcastle. Um, but this one, I just feel like we need to a fast start. We need to get at them, you know, minute one um, and see what pressure we can put on the Newcastle. But if Kane or Stun can score early, you know, it's a very different game. The fans are up for it then. The atmosphere is building in the stadium. And if we can get an early goal, I feel like the atmosphere will be very, very good. And that could spur the team on, hence the pun, um, over the line to get those three points. Um, yeah. I just think that Sun and Kane are in such good form at the minute that it will be hard for Newcastle to stop them on the day. Um, and as I said, I feel like if Bruno Guimaraes comes back from Brazil late, that's a big loss for them as well. Mm, that's a good point. I mean, we know, uh, listen, how admit that they're taking the cautious approach with their star players like Kieran Trippier, Callum Wilson. They're continuing their recoveries from their long-term injuries. Um, John Joe Shelby should be ready for this game. He's actually been really good for Newcastle since yeah. uh, Howe's come in. Really, really improved. Uh, but Jamal Lewis, Isaac Hayden remain their long-term absentees. Uh, for Tottenham, as we picked up on earlier, you know, uh, Sessignon still out at the moment. Oliver Skip. Well, I suppose we'll get more of the updates from Conte in that pre-match press conference on Friday to see exactly where he is. But uh, listen, Bentacur and Hoybier for the moment, I know it's probably not everybody's preferred pairing based on, you know, if everybody was fit. But listen, they're doing the job. Let's close it, guys. Let's get some predictions. Let's start with Ross. Ross, what are you going for? I'm going for 3-0. Going for okay. 3-0. Clean sheet. 3-0 Spurs win. What yeah. more do we want than that? Brilliant. That'll, be oh. That'll keep the goal difference nice and ticking over. Let's come around to John next. John, what are you going to go for? We're going to unmute you, John. That's, that's the problem there. No one wants to do a prediction now. Let's come around to John. Yeah. Hear me now, Rick? We've got you. Yeah. yeah. All good. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Tottenham win. Okay, 2-1 Spurs with an edgy one. An edgy one at the Tottenham Stadium. Jay, what are you going for? Uh, no, I like, I like Roscoe's prediction. I like 3-0. I think that, um, again, I just I, I think we're in really good form. And I know it's it's always difficult to kind of temp bait or whatever whatever you want to say. And obviously Spurs, we, we know all about that. But um, I'm really, really, really quite confident for this one. And it's going to be interesting. We do need to start fast. I think that's going to be really yeah. important. We did that against West Ham. And, crowd was right behind us. I mean, that's been the kind of the strange thing at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I think when the fans really get behind the team, always a fantastic performance. We saw that in the Man City game at the start yeah. of the season. But equally, you know, when it's when it's really frustrating, the crowd can kind of really get on the players' backs. And I think that that definitely played a part in those two defeats against Southampton and Wolves. You know, the, the fans really became on, on edge. Um, so hopefully a, a, a kind of a fast start to really get the crowd going. But um, as I said, the West Ham game was, was a massive, massive game for us just because yeah. I think there was a real sense of unity from everyone Absolutely, and a, and a real yeah. as well yeah. I think mentally it was it was so big for us you saw Conte um you know geeing up the crowd when everyone was singing his name just togetherness and, and a real belief that we can do something this season so um yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting back to the stadium hopefully 
um, I'll be at the stadium. Um, permitting I, uh, I uh, get rid of COVID. Uh, hopefully, yeah. I should be oh, good for that. But uh, no, I'm, I'm really hopefully be at the stadium on the weekend. And, uh, looking forward to the match for sure. Amazing. Well, listen, guys. Uh, Ross, let's come around to you for see. Ross, anything in the diary you want to let us know about? Anything, anything worth promoting? Yeah, uh, yeah. I've got, I've got an album that I've, it's nearly finished now. Um, it's coming out in the summer. Um, so I'm, yeah, I've just nearly finished that. Um, yeah, getting back to touring as well because I haven't, I haven't done much over the last two years as well, which has been quite cool. So yeah, it should be coming over to a few countries in a few, few weeks, months time as well. Amazing. Listen, looking forward to that. Uh, make sure you keep an eye on Roska's socials for that. And uh, Rosk will be joining us for next season, hopefully, for yep. the non-Europa <laughs> Conference League nights. Hopefully it is Champions League. Uh, oh, that is pending. We'll, we'll wait to see. Yeah. <laughs> Such as nature of Spurs, we can't say that just yet with nine games to go, but who knows. Uh, obviously, the wonderful John Wenham also back with us tonight. John, it's been a pleasure having you. Listen, you've got great podcasts. And again, if you want to hear more of John's thoughts on the youth that you've just heard throughout the show, got to go check that out. John, give us a reminder. Where can we find your great podcast? Yeah, it's at Lily White underscore Rose. Find it on any of your normal podcast providers. Um, it's a short, bite-sized, 15 to 20 minutes update on everything that's going on with the Academy at Tottenham Hotspur each week. Love it. And we most certainly do enjoy it. John, thank you so much. Lovely to have you back on. Pleasure, We're going to hopefully get John back on in the near future. You know, it's for all of us, it's tricky. You know, with kids and time and commitments and whatever, yeah. the time in the Spurs hasn't really helped this season, timing-wise. And I didn't want to put John through those Europa Conference League nights, so I gave him to Roscoe instead. So, uh, well, I don't think John, I think <laughs> John did Roscoe. suffer one. <laughs> <laughs> We're passing him around. We're passing him around. And also pleased to have this man back, Jamie Brown from the Daily Hotspur again. Just as Jamie's uh, fitness commitments, we've got to say, it's also been the reason why we couldn't have got Jamie on more. But it's been lovely to have Jay back on. He's back with us in a couple of weeks' time as well. Jay, listen, you're offering now, which we do love, the, the pre-match build-up. So the great thing now is, you know, ahead of the game, yeah. when you want to know team news, uh, you know, more than likely, you've always got a preview going on the Spurs. Where can we find that out, Jay? Yep, so I've just started on Twitch. I've been doing a, a pre-match show, um, kind of looking ahead to the game, maybe discussing the team news. I think, uh, yes, thank you very much for that, Yeah, and Hopefully, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've, uh, yeah, as I said, I've been doing kind of a pre-match show, looking ahead to the team news, kind of discussing uh, a bit before the game, you know, maybe something a bit different to kind of maybe the bias that you see on Sky Sports, where we, we get a lot of disrespect, um, you know, all, all Spurs uh, focused. Obviously, I think, Roscoe, you mentioned at the start of the show as well, it's, the only problem with the show is our team's been very predictable to kind of uh, always been very predictable. So that's kind of been the one important yeah. thing with the show. We always do a predicted lineup and it's always the spot on. But uh, no, it's been it's been really good fun. I've had some great guests on. So um, yeah, obviously, I don't think I'll be doing one before the Newcastle game just because I'll be going. But uh, all the away yeah. matches, I'll, I'll be doing the show. And that's on Twitch. Uh, Fantastic. And also worth mentioning, Jay, we sometimes do get a sneaky one. Else. We saw a transfer one in there last week. As much as Jason tried to, to bring it down, I, I was I was pushing it for you. Yeah, we we've got a couple more more transfer ones in there, hopefully, Jay. Uh, we'll we'll see. I mean, if we'll I see. can squeeze any sort of transfer out, that's what I'll do. But uh, no, obviously, <laughs> in the summer, uh, Jay. So yeah, I'm yeah. Still tuning in for all my uh, all, all, all systems go exactly. All systems go. Jamie Brown. The only we got in March, we're already doing transfers. How can you not love it? Fantastic. <laughs> well, there you go, guys. Great panel for tonight. Listen, we had nearly 500 of you plus watching us live. So thank you much sir, for your incredible support during this international break. It's been amazing. Thank you. We're back with you on Sunday evening for instant post-match reaction to hopefully Spurs continuing their winning trend in the Premier League. From John, from Jamie, from Ross, myself, guys, keep safe, keep well. And as always, come on you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.